Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Number 74. They keep coming even though no one has asked for more. That is true. I mean, we've literally, I don't think uh, we've ever gotten anyone asking for more Star Trek. If you are very charitable, you might accept Body saying that he's saving him up for his flight. Oh, that's true. As a kind of request. That wild thing he said about how he wanted to watch fucking 14 straight hours or whatever it was. Yeah, that trash idea that he had. <sighs> uh, you guys know but how this right. works. You guys know how it works. Last week, the one that finished last place is the one we'll talk about first. We talk yeah. about an episode from all five series, and we're comparing them against each other like for the same week that they aired or whatever. You guys yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah, we've invented a fake competition where we pit an episode that aired in 1969 against episodes that aired in a variety of other years, but, you know, 74th in the airing order this week. Winner gets the Yevgeny Plashenko Platinum Medal. That he invented for himself? That he invented for that himself. he awarded to he himself? did all those quads and didn't win the gold. That's right. I did oh, more quads! <laughs> uh, there's another trash opinion besides Barry's... Um, gonna save up the star treks and it's yeah. i was listening to written in the heart by minette oil earlier and if you don't like that song that's a trash opinion yeah that's true that sucks. Okay. that sucks that sucks if that's your opinion just wanted to get that in there oh, okay cool uh i don't know i think i've probably used that as a week opener i wonder if you have well i wonder what that would have applied to what did i what did i end up using oh no no i used uh sergeant smiles marine recruiter i was thinking of doing written in the heart for uh the leg broke voyager episode oh yeah where uh, chakotay gets uh the, indoctrinated he gets null they almost gets nullified yeah where he exactly he almost got nullified by the nemesis yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all those crazy beasts almost nullied him That's right. um <laughs> god that was Jeez. so bad okay all right why do we waste time on this already too long project? Uh, fifth place last week was TOS. Okay. Uh, there's only five of them left. This week we watched Requiem for Methuselah. The Enterprise... Uh, is in the grip of Rigelian fever. Three crewmen are already dead, and they are desperately trying to find a source of Ritalin, the only known cure, and they detect it on an uninhabited uh, planet in the Omega system, Holberg 917G. Yeah, don't worry, it's not uninhabited. Of course it couldn't be. No, they beam down, and Spock immediately detects a life form on the surface, mm -hmm. and then a strange probe appears and starts shooting at them. 
Uh, Kirk's phaser doesn't work, but it, it doesn't matter because the probe gets called off by a man who introduces himself as Flint and tells them to get the fuck off his planet. Yeah, basically. Uh, Kirk tries to bargain with him for the Rytalon, uh, but then Flint gets a little more menacing and tells Kirk that he has the power to force them to leave or kill them where they stand. So Kirk does one of his number one good moves. He calls up to Enterprise and tells Scotty, get them phasers ready to go. (laughs) We're going to heat up this whole goddamn planet. (laughs) Uh, Basically, he's going to match power with power. McCoy tries to appeal to Flint by telling him that Rigelian fever is like, basically the people up there on Enterprise have bubonic plague. And when he says bubonic plague, this guy gets it. This old boy starts waxing philosophical about Constantinople in the year 1334. And then he's like, all right, you have two hours and, uh, hey, laser probe M4, go get that right, Alan. You can get it. And you, by the way, can you put it in a little baggie and bring it back? That'd be cool. Definitely, definitely bag it up. Yep. Don't vacuum seal it or no, anything. No, 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 no. Just like a regular do, doggy bag. Do you know, like, sometimes you buy cheap jewelry and it comes in a bag that's made of a non-woven plastic fabric and it's got glitter embedded in it and a little ribbon that ties it shut? Put it in one of those. Make a purple one. Do a purple one. That's right. Yeah. Um, he takes them to his castle. Which they all find very impressive. Oh, Spock finds and, it the most impressive. Yes. And suddenly we see that they're all being watched on a flat screen TV, like a 40-inch plasma screen, by a young woman. And he has told them that he is alone there, so, you know. We know he's a liar. He's not. He's not alone. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he goes to talk to her, and her name is Raina, and he tells her, Listen, these humans are brutal and they're dumb. And uh, just stay here in the guest bedroom until they're gone. That's right. Yeah. But she doesn't want to. She's like, you going to keep this from me? Like, I want to meet these dudes. Yeah, I lived on. I've never met these dudes. I've lived on this planet all just with you forever. You and the robot. And right. I can only play so much billiards. Like, yeah. Like, hey, don't don't make me sit this one out. I want to meet these idiots. Yeah. Anyway, uh, his his little sitting room is all full of arts, and Spock's like, "Hey, these are a bunch of Da Vinci's, and they're all unknown, and they're all they were all made yesterday." But like, I fucking these were made know this they're week, and I am a hundred percent certain they're by Leonardo da Vinci. Uh-huh. You know him from Vinci. Anyway, you know, you know. Remember when I told you guys before I was a, a amateur historian? I'm also an amateur art historian. Yeah, like I know all of this. Oh, don't worry. He's got more coming. Yeah. Uh, M4 shows up and he drops off a little baggie of Rytalon mm. and uh, Flint introduces them to Reyna and they're all way too horny about it. Mm, yeah. Especially Who McCoy. Guessed? Like McCoy is extra too horny about it, but it doesn't matter because he gets sent off with the robot to do uh, Rytalon processing. I wonder why Kirk sent him off with the robot. Right. Meanwhile, they go to his other, this guy's other parlor and... Kirk and Raina play billiards, and Kirk is uh, telling uh, telling Flint that Earth is not as cruel and brutal as it used to be, and mm-hmm. he's like, your ship's got weapons, and he's like, we use our weapons in self-defense, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right, right. Spock starts playing the piano. And <laughs> Plays a little Flint, waltz. Flint encourages Kirk and Raina to dance this little waltz. Uh, 
McCoy I, I, comes wait, back hold on in. a second. This scene was so TOS, it was wild. Oh, yeah. Spock yeah, playing sure. a waltz while Kirk and a lady dance to it, while uh, an all-powerful being watched from across the room. Yeah, it was very much like something that would happen when they, everyone was being uh, mind-controlled or mm-hmm. had shock collars on or something, but that's not the case in this episode. No, nah, they were pretty free about it. Yeah, they were just like, hell yeah, waltz time. Yep. Um, McCoy busts in and he's like, listen, all that Rytalon was contaminated with Irelium, another real thing, I think. And uh, Kirk says, all right, you go with Flint and you get more goddamn Rytalon. That's right. So as soon as these two boys leave, Spock walks over and he's like, hey, that waltz I just played, uh, <laughs> that was an original by Brahms. Yep. Uh, written in his own handwriting, uh, which, I which I recognize. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry. He specifically says, which I recognize. It's insane. Uh, oh, and by the way, also unknown. So Yeah, it's a newbie. I don't know what to do. Later, he'll say it was also written with modern paper and modern ink. He doesn't reveal it at this point, but it doesn't matter because Kirk could not care less about this mystery. No, man. He's got his eyes on Reyna, the childish physicist. Right. He is so bored by this horse shit that he tells Spock, hey, I'm going to go to the lab and see if I can uncontaminate that Ritalin. That's something I could probably figure out how to do. He does just kind of walk away like in the middle of Spock's shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's This great. is not one of those ones where Kirk and Spock look at each other and they're both like antimatter. No, this is Spock is trying to tell Kirk, hey, this ain't right. And Kirk's like, what? He says, listen, sister, I got to take a shit. And then he walks away. Yeah, basically. Uh, anyway, he gets in the lab, uh, you know, just like poking at stuff with a stick. Mm-hmm. And Raina comes in and she looks troubled. And she's staring at this one door. And Kirk says, hey, what's behind that door? What's behind the secret door you're staring at? And she says to him, it's the one thing Flint has never allowed her to know. Nice. And uh, still, like, this is, and by the way, it's another thing Kirk doesn't care about. Yeah. But he can tell she's upset, so he goes over to um, comfort her. Yeah, 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 with his hands and body. With touching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, M4 busts in and starts chasing him around the lab like, uh, you leave her alone. I told you when I let you stay in this castle... There were two rules. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, you put your dick in that hole. So now the robot will shoot you. Yeah. So he starts chasing her all around. Rain is trying to get him to stop. Uh, no good. Remember earlier when I said that uh, Kirk's phaser didn't work? Yeah. Yeah, I said that specifically because apparently when M4 did that, he did not deactivate Spock's phaser because Spock <laughs> just cold blasted. <laughs> yep, only Kirk's. Well, Kirk may have raised his phaser and that's it. I think that's exactly what it was, yeah. but... Uh, <laughs> weird programming mm-hmm. uh, at this point flint gets back and he's uh or we cut to when flint comes back and flint's like oh yeah uh it was just following my dumb orders I, it it wouldn't have done that if i'd been here i, I am sorry i am sorry about that anyway here's a new one <laughs> yeah here's a new m4 I, they got a lot of them uh you take mccoy new m4 you take mccoy back there and start working on this right talent again it's, imp- it's important work yeah meanwhile we keep getting updates from what from up on the ship about how close they are to uh total plague death uh, it sucks up there although weirdly we never see it. it's nope. not like when they call up and Jordy's the last guy on the bridge oh and you can see like wharf like sitting at the con and it's just him and Jordy. right yeah. yeah it's not like that it's uh you know it's just scotty and uhura are up there but you never see anyone sick. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. We do keep getting those updates. Um, 
he says, hey, why don't you two just go into the sitting room? Because M4 ain't going to shoot nobody in there. That's right. And Reyna, you come with me, goddammit. And uh, Kirk doesn't like that at all. No. So uh, Spock tells him, just be cool for one second. There's stuff going on here. But instead, Kirk calls up and asks Uhura all about, you know, what they've found out about this guy. And she's like, there's no such dude. This planet was bought 30 years ago by Mr. Brack. And uh, and at this point, Spock says, well, my track order says Flint is 6,000 years old. Now, here's the fun <laughs> thing about this. Spock really picked his moment. Yeah, I know. Like, he could have he could have uh, scanned him while he was getting ready to do the waltz or any goddamn thing. But he just did it now. Anyway, anyway, this dude's 6,000 years old. Right. <clears throat> uh, we cut to another scene where Flint is... Uh, trying to convince Rana that M4 was defective and not acting on his orders. And she's not convinced, but she goes to say goodbye to Kirk. And um, as Spock predicted, Kirk is not remotely cool about it. No. And he goes in for a kiss. <sighs> McCoy shows up again. The robot and the right talent are both gone. <laughs> They're hiding? Yep. Or something? They must have gone behind that magic door, maybe. Uh, Kirk asserts to Reyna that she loves him and she doesn't love Flint yeah. and she uh, runs away. So now Kirk goes to the lab. Uh, Spock scans the Rytalons behind the secret mystery door and it opens for them right away. And um, sure enough, the Rytalon is in another lab back there, but also the body of Reyna 16 for she is a robot. Oh, who could have fucking guessed it was androids again? Uh, Flint appears and he gives up the game. He is, of course, both Brahms and Da Vinci. Yeah. Also Solomon, Alexander, Methuselah. All of the famous people you've ever heard of. Lazarus. All of them. Abe Lincoln, probably. Uh, He doesn't say that he's Shakespeare, but Spock pointed out that there's a bunch of Shakespeare shit in his thing, so he's probably Shakespeare, too. He left that one out. He was born thousands of years ago in Mesopotamia, and he fell in battle with a sword through his heart, but he didn't die. Anyway, he's cursed with immortality. And also, uh, Kirk, you don't get to leave. You guys are prisoners here now. Because mm. no one can know my shameful secret, even though I orchestrated things so that you discovered it. That's exactly right. I made you stay here. I made I made all of this happen. Uh, so I'm going to snatch Kirk, your ship up and make it a model on my desk. Kirk tries to to call Scotty to tell him to run away. And then, as you said, uh, this old boy turns Enterprise into a three-foot model available at hobby shops everywhere. Mm-hmm, with a nice little stand on it and everything. Puts it right on the desk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk looks in through the view screen and I guess he can <laughs> see him in there. <laughs> I don't Doesn't know. Does it seem like he could see him it in there? It seems like it'd be hard to, to see anybody in there, but I think they could see him for sure. Yeah. Well, no, they were frozen. They're frozen in time. They oh. can't see Dick. Uh, he says, hey, I'm not going to... I know Mercy. I'm not going to kill these guys. Uh, they're frozen in time, and I'll uh, I'll release them in a couple of thousand years, and uh, you guys will know the future. <laughs> Thanks. <sighs> Thank you, sir. <clears throat> At this point, Raina appears. By the way, can I just say here, what a wild day this has been for Spock. Yeah. He, like, shows up. He sees all this great art that he loves. He got to watch Kirk just instantly fall in love in fucking four and a half minutes and <laughs> lose his shit entirely. Meanwhile, everyone on the ship has got the fucking plague and now they are tiny little people. Yeah, he's going to need two pages in his diary today. That's, for sure. Yes. Um, 
Raina walks in, and it becomes apparent that she will hate Flint if he goes through with this plan. Yeah. And Kirk is real, real upset. Because I guess he is actually in love with this girl that he's known for two hours. Yeah, it's uh, he's like Ruth level in love. Yep. Yeah, so it's fist fight time. <laughs> Spock tries to stop him, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Raina starts talking about how she's going to choose her her own path, not these two dumb fighting men. Mm. And Spock again tries to tell them to be cool, mm. as they each try to convince her to stay with them, but they don't listen at all, and she falls over dead. <laughs> yeah. Spock explains that she wasn't accustomed to all of these powerful emotions. Mm. And then back on the ship, he visits Kirk in his quarters where Kirk feels like a real ass. Yeah, the guy let him go after that. Yeah, he uh, falls asleep and McCoy comes in and says, oh, hey, by the way, don't worry about it. Flint's dying. (laughs) Uh, He left Earth with its uh, complicated and powerful fields and now he is dying. And he gives Spock a real hard time about not understanding love and then leaves. And Spock uses a mind meld to erase Kirk's memory. Matt. Yeah, this is this one about. I wish I could give this one million points. It was so wild. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was a real adventure. I had two takes on this. I'll be interested to see what you have. So one, I had the selfish brutality of man is alive and well. Uh, This guy complains about it when Kirk shows up, but. Then he explains how he's carefully and brutally put himself and his own interests over everybody else's for thousands of years. Yeah. So it's a weird thing to accuse other people of. Or something about um, the most human thing is the desire to choose for yourself. That's what made her a human, they say. And not an android, question mark? (laughs) Yeah, they do say. Except that's not how it works. (laughs) They do talk about how she is an android that is indistinguishable from from humanity in her flesh. Mm-hmm. But apparently, when her emotions woke up, that's what made her actually human. She was actually a human at that point, so it all counts. That's what Kirk wanted to believe, so it counted that she was a woman. Um, That's not how it works, obviously. It is. There is a weird moment where I, well, boy, we talk about it. We'll talk about it in the... I would like to hear your take and Ben's take before I score this, because I'm not sure how I want to go on this. Yeah, well, let's start with Ben. Ben says, even immortality is not a cure for the human condition. Ah, because this guy's still a piece of shit. Yeah, and uh, my take was, no matter how much education or civilization a person has, human emotions remain brutal and cruel. Okay, so we were on the same same wavelength on the first take. Yeah, uh, this guy, Flint, tells Kirk he's been married a hundred times, mm. but he is still a jealous, entitled maniac at heart. Like, he does a lot of yelling about she is his desire, yeah. and he made her. And she's going to stay with him. And also, and she is his property. I'm going to use you as, you know, the horse that they bring in to make the horse horny. And then you bring in the other horse. Right. That's you. You're that horse. Yep. He's the. Oh, I used to know the name of that horse. Uh, Zartes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, It's not a cheery message. Ben gave it a three. I gave it a three. I gave it a four. You gave it as much as a four. Yeah. <clears throat> Because, so here's the thing. It's not about how you overcome No, that. No, it's a cynical take. It's guess what? No matter how long you live, and no matter how much you talk about how humans suck, you you still suck. All of us suck. We all suck. What's like, oh, not only that, but old Spock, old control your emotions, is sitting over there the whole time telling Captain Kirk, hang on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, 
Hey, buddy. We can get out of here real quick. Hey, this is getting dark. Let, you got to knock this off. Let's get the meds and get out of here. And he doesn't listen. And at the end, he just makes it all better with his magic touch. So. Yep. That's a, an man. insane moment that I can't wait to talk about for an hour. Ah, man. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Well, uh, what about we execution? We were all then? in agreement as to what this one was about. Yeah. Uh, execution. Let's start at the top. Women get to take another great big loss in this one. Huh? That's all they get on TOS. There's one moment that's like maybe 10 seconds long where, uh, Raina talks about how she gets to choose what she wants with her life, but then her brain explodes. Yeah. No one, so... no one was listening anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then one guy is the ultimate groomer. He has built 16 previous of these girls who are like his daughters that he kisses. Yep. He's going to get it right. One of these days though. Yeah. The other one is an insane person who fell in love in two hours and needed a mind enema afterwards. He didn't just fall in love. He fell in a weird obsessive kind of love that makes you want to control every aspect of that person's life. Yeah, that's right. Don't worry. He does a lot of talking for her. It's crazy. Star Trek is just a permanently shitty place for women. It really is. Also, the... All right, and we don't do this a lot, but the set is so chintzy for this guy who has infinite money and taste. Yeah. It's just like he has this huge Italianate castle, but it's just full of rental carpet. (laughs) Yep, yep. He watches the whole thing unfold from uh, literally looks like a guest bedroom. It does. Like that second room that they go to is 8 by 10. It has a couple of chairs and a TV in it. It looks exactly like a room Marjan and I stayed in in Berkeley one time. Right. Right. So that sucks, Dick. Then, of course, like there's that moment where she, uh, she's like, "No, I get to choose," and and Kirk seizes on it. And he's like, "See, she's human now." <laughs> and I thought, "Okay, cool. This is gonna be like Measure of a Man. We're gonna do a Measure of a Man here." But I'm like, "That's weirdly late in the episode also, to start having a discussion about the what makes a person human." It also sounded like he weirdly meant it literally, like, like literally speaking, she had turned into a, a Homo sapien. Yeah, I think that is what he meant. <laughs> it's just so, so, such a wild idea. So that didn't end up happening. So the the only reason this scores any points is because it was such a wild toad's ride for everyone. Yeah. Uh, that uh, you kind of couldn't look away. I did give it three points. I would definitely see a, a lower score also. Yeah, Ben and I were on the exact same page. We each gave it a three in execution. Ben says, this old boy is supposed to be every genius ever. Doesn't make sense even if he's immortal. He's immortal and bored. Um, uh, And then uh, they use the same model of the Enterprise to suggest the guy shrunk him. Spock has the ultimate zinger by showing uh, how stupid the guy's plan is. Um, It's weird that Flint is dying for no reason. The closing banter was lame. Somehow Spock makes Jim forget the girl? Yeah. Star Trek wants to do the... It's not just Star Trek, right? Babylon 5, you meet Jack the Ripper. Oh, yeah. In Star Trek, we have already met Jack the Ripper. Now we have discovered that all of these other famous people were a different person who is still alive. And not a spirit that passed between people and turned them into serial killers or anything. uh, Yeah, obviously Voyager really shit on the Native Americans, the ancestors of the Native Americans. It's like... 
everybody's someone else in all of history now. Also, the dinosaurs went either, across the galaxy and became a new right. species. Well, like, I, if, any historical person was either Cisco or, like, uh, a weird entity or just someone who, for some reason, never died. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a real slap in the face to all those actual people. Yeah, but counterpoint, nice camera work on that robot's eye view shot. When the robot was backing up and <laughs> That's you got true. The, good, the good camera angle, that was good stuff. It is true. When when Flint calls off M4 right up at the top, he starts backing away and it's, we just they just lower the camera on a crane arm or something mm-hmm. and it's just shot from below. With the robot obviously sitting on an arm we can't see and vibrating as it back <laughs> Vibrating a lot. Well, that's just how it is when it moves. It vibrates. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else did I have? Uh, is this reveal that all the Reynas are androids supposed to be shocking? Like, we already spent time on Mud's planet. Oh, exactly. We met like 150 androids already in this show. We've never seen an android that didn't look exactly like a human. If anything, it's like... Noonien Soong sucks ass. He's the worst android maker in the fucking galaxy. You could... You could pass it off as an artistic choice he was making, because we know he was concerned about how people were reacting to his androids. Uh-huh. Until you meet Data's mom. Who looks exactly and, like a human. And then it's like, oh, he was able to give her more... Or when Data talks about Law, and he says, I was able to give her more realistic skin and eye pigment. And it's like, wait, he couldn't do that? <laughs> he did, did that imply that he could just couldn't. a choice he made? <laughs> yes. And yeah, and then if you watch TOS, you just meet so many much more realistic androids, and you go, Jesus. There's, like, just, there's just a lot of androids that are just hot 25-year-old girls. So and I, it's like, I well, guess what Soong was doing was he made the positronic brain and maybe that's the big advancement and he wasn't so artistic. Right? I, I, honestly, the big advancement is he's, the, is he's the first human to do the goddamn thing. Oh, that's right. It's always weird aliens. And... It's always ancient technology. How did Mud do it again? Did he just meet one? Uh, he Yeah, Mud didn't do it, he right? Norman was just like, yeah. hey, you tell us what to do. And then he's like, make a bunch more of these androids. Um... The agonies of love destroyed her. Yeah. Two old idiots punching each other in the head made her so sad she killed herself. Wild. She just fell over dead in this box. Like, she never had time to come to terms <laughs> with her powerful. It's like, Jesus, man. She took I a... know. First of all, hey, McCoy, why don't you go like do a scan or something? <laughs> do something. Because we know what Spock's take is going to be. Emotions are bad and they killed her. Yeah. Well, you know I don't fuck with McCoy anymore. I'm not surprised he didn't do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But, like... You'd be like, I don't know, Spock. You always think it's emotions, and half the time it's just an aneurysm. It's just wild that she took that so hard. Oh, if yeah. anything, she should have just been laughing, because these dudes were such fools. When Kirk said to Spock, stay out of this, we're fighting over a woman. Oh, yeah. Actual words he said with his mouth, she should have just started laughing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, three three's all around for us. Um... Really, in a in a better version of this show, she's just like, I don't want to be with either of you two dipshits. You you suck, and you're you suck more. First of all, you are in, intensely creepy. Yes. And second of all, you just told me that I loved you and I wanted to leave the planet with you. But I didn't say that stuff. We did one kiss. Yep. I was just curious. Uh, world building. Yeah, give it to me. Uh, Rigelian Fever. It's killed three peeps on the Enterprise already. 
uh, like you said, Holberg 917G, uh, Ritalin. At first, I thought he was saying Ritalin, but like he said it dumb. I was <laughs> like, they, I don't think that's a cure. Uh, they spell it in a crazy way. It's spelled R-Y-E-T-A-L-Y-N. Uh, it was going to be Ratatouille. They were going to say, we need more Ratatouille. M4 Robot, uh, which I've been calling Echo Papa's Papa. It's very Echo Papa-like. It's, of course, is made of pieces of Nomad. Yes. It did and, look like Nomad, you're right. <laughs> and also part of the Romulan cloaking device. Oh, good. Good thing they had those props lying around. Creation lithographs for, uh, by uh, Terum Nellis of Centaurus 7. Uh, yep. Don't forget Sten of Marcos 2. Subdimensional physics. Is any of this doing anything for you? Mm, I'm waiting to hear what you think the score is. McCoy implies something about alcohol and Vulcans, but I'm not sure what. Uh, this time it seems like they'll get real drunk, although previously uh, didn't Spock say that uh, it doesn't have the same effect on his ancestors? I don't know. Something it's like not that. clear. Again, McCoy is uh, really just along for the ride in this one. I wish he hadn't been. Then we he wouldn't just keeps have had to coming see him in to remind so people that there's a clock. Um, You can just buy a planet. Yeah. So again, the economy is a mystery. Uh, again, yet another series of perfectly humanoid androids. Um, all the famous people were just this one guy. That's a great twist. Like, um, But like having a porcupine twisted around up my butthole. It's that good a twist. <laughs> Spock can make a person forget. I mean, McCoy can do it too, but he forgot. Maybe Spock made him forget that treatment. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it seems like McCoy didn't remember that he could do that. Or, you know, he felt like he'd have to get consent to do it or something. I gave it a two. Uh, ben gave it a two. Another lonely girl brought up by a weird old guy. That's almost as common as old guys alone on worlds. Yep, half the time they have a girl that they brought up. And then obviously in real time, you wrote another one dude planet, but wait, two people. <laughs> um, I'm only gave it a one. <laughs> okay. The, everybody being the same. And by the way, you named everything, including planets for sale is what I had written down. Yeah. Uh, the fact that Alexander the Great and Da Vinci and Brahms and maybe Shakespeare were all the same person. It's so aggravating. The final fate of that person is he's just going to die in space in 250 years. It's extremely irritating. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, so I gave a one goddamn point for world building. What a stupid world Star Trek is sometimes. It is fair. Uh, at what point during this week, if I don't, if you don't mind me asking now, were you at your lowest? So, uh, it was this at this point. It was at the <laughs> point when I had 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 finished watching this episode. That's what I thought because I, I, I had could... to try to come up with a take for it and all. Of I this. got a message from you when Spock did his thing at the end that made it seem like you didn't want to do this project anymore. Yeah, I mean, there's usually some point during the yep. week when I ask if we can just stop doing the project. That's right. Like, just imagine if we didn't have to do it anymore. I mean, um, I'd have a lot more time to watch old Running Man's again. Exactly. Um, what about characterization? Usually, when Spock speaks up, Kirk listens. Mm. But this week, he's in love, and it's like there's a gas leak. <laughs> yep. He was one gold hairbrush away from attempting an R on this poor lady. Oh, yeah. McCoy is useless. 
he gets a bunch of digs in at Spock at the end, despite the fact that Spock definitely understood the emotions at play in the episode. Yeah, he was the only rational one trying to tell people to calm the fuck down. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, Spock, despite knowing way too much about Brahms's handwriting, comes off pretty good in this one. Mm-hmm. He's on the ball, and he loves his idiot friend Jim. And I liked that out of Spock, and I gave it as many as five for characterization. <clears throat> ben gave it a five as well. He said... Kirk totally called the guy's bluff. Uh, his concern for his crew vanished in the wink of a blonde vagina. Uh, apparently, they can all continue to die while he's whining and dining. Spock is a concert pianist. Kirk waltzes. Um, Love Dr. Spock explains all the feelings that Raina could have. And Kirk seems to fall for the chick for real this time. And it's unknowable as to why. Yeah. Uh, I was a little bit less. I gave it a four. Spock is an art historian, as I mentioned. Um plays the piano recognizes brahm's own handwriting apparently fucking a how is spock able to be so patient with kirk's constant vag hunting well how's he do it spock's relationship with kirk he never told us how they met but it goes beyond friendship and beyond family <laughs> that's right did he ever <laughs> yes that's true <clears throat> Um, it, it, it's inexplicable, but you're right. He is super patient with Kirk all the time. It's probably just because when he tells Kirk they're going to have to blow something up, Kirk listens. That's true. Um, I'm just saying, when he, if Kirk had told me, stay out of this, we're fighting over a woman, I would have told him to eat shit. <laughs> That's true. And then I would have had myself die in a fire. beamed up. <laughs> um, yeah, Enterprise, I'm ready to leave. Yeah, just one to beam up, only one. Thank you. Uh, even though there was no consent and it was creepy and it is a cheat that means Kirk won't have to learn or change, Spock <laughs> making Kirk forget about the lady as the episode ends was kind of sweet. It was touching. The way he walked like he over takes, to his friend and, and gave him a forget. He takes a bunch of shit from McCoy, just eats a bunch yes. of McCoy's shit. Yes. And then as soon as McCoy leaves, he goes over and his and Kirk, who has... Passed out from pain. Collapsed of the from heart. exhaustion and emotional pain. The agonies like, of love on top destroyed of his him. Arms on his desk, yes. and he just goes over and says, "Forget, whatever." Uh, forget. I mean, it's, it look, it's for sure horse shit, but whatever. It, I, I I found it very sweet the way it just fades out like that. Um, as fucking usual, Kirk is dying to get out of this place until he sees a woman. <laughs> His great idea is to play chess layered Sation for the afternoon. The great combination of chess, billiards, and conversation. Yeah, why not all three? All three. Um, Kirk can't leave well enough alone in this one. Even after the dude relents and puts Enterprise back in space, he goes right back over to the lady and gets into a fist fight. Yeah. The guy gave up. Yep. He said, all right, fine. You can go and take your medicine. Fine. Whatever. And yeah, Kirk's Kirk like, was no! Like, I, have a, I have an advantage. It's time to press the advantage. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what are you doing? You fucking piece of shit. Um, McCoy turned the flirt knob up and broke it off in that scene where the lady walked out. Oh, yeah. McCoy was flirting so hard. Uh, so just a four for me. Spock tried his best to save it, but the other two were so useless. Oh, and yeah, and by the way, nothing nothing happens. Scotty and Uhura are alive. Like, that's it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We don't see anything going on up there. Do you have some quick hitters for me? Uh, ben didn't. Yeah, when Flint said he retreated from the unpleasantness of Earth and the people there, I said to myself quietly, fair. <laughs> I get it. 
Yeah, but isn't it supposed to be better in 200 years when he buys this planet? I just, I'm just saying. I, I just, in the room, by myself, alone, I was just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, Kirk, at one point, says, lock on to our coordinates. Like, our co <laughs> was one word and ordinates was another. That's a nice fucking matte painting. Not even being sarcastic, it was a nice matte painting. Oh, the remastered castle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, that wasn't in the original, so. Uh, well, you've got to know as a quick hitter. You didn't give it points for that. This guy accuses humanity of savagery and uses Enterprise's weapons as evidence, but his robot tried to blast them on sight. <laughs> that is true. Like, they didn't even do anything. They just showed up and they tried to Yeah, this guy them. is full of horse shit. Yeah, he's a real piece of crap. Uh, again, this guy introduced her as uh, being like his daughter and then definitely tried to kiss her. Um, again, when he shrunk Enterprise, he put it on a little stand, which I really appreciated. <laughs> well, that's the difference between uh, being a hoarder and being a collector is displaying <laughs> that's how right. you display something. If it had been behind a little glass case, it would have been even better. They should have put it behind Lexan. Uh, Kirk had a bad stunt double yet again. It's... Uh... Are hardly worth mentioning anymore, but well, at least it was for a fight that did not need to happen. God, it was so wild. The guy was like, "You can go," and I was like, "No, nah, we got like fifteen minutes left. This is still going on." Uh, what well, was he, Kirk? Kirk's got that in him. Like, once he gets psyched up for a fight, he can't oh, let yeah. it go. It's just like an okay corral. I mean, even if he like, keeps shouting that he's not going to kill, he's none <laughs> of this is real. He's going to fight. All right, now drop kick. <laughs> I won't kill. I won't kill. I will hit you right over the fucking head, though. Unless it's an accident. That's right. Sometimes I accidentally kill. That's not my fault. What about you? Any quick hitters? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, at first, I was like, uh, it's another one of these guys who has 100 famous paintings, and no one's like, where are all these paintings? Yeah. But uh, it turned out they weren't famous ones. Yeah, they were um, the brand new ones that Spock definitely recognized. Did... um. Did Kirk think Scotty didn't know what planet they were orbiting? How come when he calls up, he specifically repeats that it's Holberg 917G? He knows Scotty can't remember get, shit. Get all the information about this planet, Holberg 917G. He knew Scotty was going to call back 30 seconds later and go, Ah, uh, boy, um, uh, this is really embarrassing, but uh, what's what's this planet again? Now, uh, now, Captain, I was in the engine room when you came here. So what I didn't planet hear are it. we orbiting? I never heard it. I know I, there's probably a way to find it, but it's quicker. It's just a call. Everybody gets immediately uninterested in processing the Rytalon once that blonde walked in. Oh, yeah. It's Rytalon, Rytalon, Rytalon. Oh, hello. I mean, for real, Kirk was in such a hurry until yeah. that lady walked in. And then it was like, this is the episode, everyone. This is what we're doing. These uh, these guys are too fancy to play straight pool. They got to play billiards. Mm -hmm. Oh, was I, Am I crazy? Did she at one point do the thing where she got all behind him and showed him how to do a billiards by putting her arms around him? Uh, I don't know, man. I think she might have done that. Uh, that may have been it. By that point, I may have been thinking, why does Spock know, recognize Brahms' handwriting or whatever? <laughs> why did he feel the need to say it out loud? Of course, Spock can play the piano. And then, oh, Flint likes to watch. Mm. Yeah, it didn't look like there were any other channels on that TV. It was yeah. just the sitting room. Uh, when they had maneuvered Kirk into discovering that she was an android, I wrote, if this guy thinks Kirk won't pump a robot, he don't know nothing about nothing. <laughs> That's right. Wait, Lazarus too, huh? <clears throat> Take that, Jesus. <laughs> he never didn't come back from the dead at all. He just can't die. 
he uh, he left out a lot of extra guys that he was. He wasn't just Shakespeare, and he forgot to say that he was also Jesus and Moses. Oh, wait, no, he no, said he Moses. Wasn't, he wasn't Jesus. He was Lazarus, and Moses was his friend. That's right. They specifically. Oh, that's right. That's there what wasn't, he said. There was a draft, by the way, where he was Jesus, but they were like, nah, that's <laughs> that too much. Play. Yeah, the network won't like that. That's too much. Because this guy's a real piece of shit. <laughs> so instead, they just had to invalidate one of Jesus' miracles by making Lazarus Bro, this undead. I hope that made it almost to filming, and then somebody finally went, uh, are we going to have Kirk punch Jesus? <laughs> hey, uh, We should probably, probably do something about hey, that. Hey, is McCoy going to announce that Jesus is going to die in space in 250 <laughs> years because he's left Earth with all of its complicated fields? <laughs> uh-huh. And then, of course, you wouldn't understand that, would you, Spock? Even though you were the only person who understood what was happening down there all along. That's right. I give Best Actor to Spock, Worst Actor to Kirk. Uh, I thought he was being mind-controlled. Some of the time he was uh, so suddenly and fully in love. <clears throat> Maybe that was his actor's secret. Yeah. That was uh, her, the, the, the fields emanating from her uh, android brain. <laughs> Fourth place last week was Voyager. Oh. I don't want to have week. to do Voyager. <laughs> This week we watched Scientific Method. You can't escape my eyes. Ah, ah. Um, that actually got me in a much better mood because I was very sad about having to do Voyager. Um, Balana? Well, I, I started with Method of Modern Love and then, because it's scientific method, and then I was like, no, wait, Private Eyes actually makes more sense. <laughs> That's right. But as long as you stay in the Hollow Notes catalog, you're in good shape. As long as I had the greatest hits open. You're like, no, 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 Maneater for sure because they're because it's uh, the way they treat them like animals. Um. Balana is all mad that Seven is playing with the power couplings without permission and gives her a lecture about following procedures before realizing that was something she used to get in trouble for when she first joined the crew. Then TP begs off work with the doctor so he can go spend time with Balana. They do some nasty makeouts, and we get crazy skeleton pictures of them going to Tongue Town. I guess somebody's watching them credits. Uh... This boy, that was some bad CG when they became X-rays, huh? Uh, yes, it was. Um, did they have to make their tongues move around? I don't. I don't like it. I don't like it so much. Uh, Janeway is now getting a rough massage from Schmollis, and complaining about lack of sleep and headaches. Uh, he's not a good doctor, so rather than check anything, he just tells her it's stress. <laughs> Chaco, stress, stress can do anything. In Star Trek. She tells him that the headaches are like burning needles in her brain. And he says, stress for sure. It's definitely stress. But I got you naked, so. Chaco calls her to the bridge to check on some binary pulsars they're studying for not getting home reasons. Uh, Janeway doesn't care about it, though. TP and Balana uh, get caught uh, making out by Tuvork, who is a snitch. Well, he definitely will not promise them that he won't tell anyone. They talk about their dumb relationship in the turbo lift and agree they'll keep it a secret moving forward. 
Chaco gives some orders about some dumb survey they're going to do on those pulsars, and then they get called back into the room, uh, this is TP and Balana, by a struggling Janeway who berates them for being very showy about their nasty affair, and that everyone on the ship knows. Uh, then Chaco loses his hair and becomes a monster. I mean, <laughs> I mean old man? Yep, they do him up old man style. Yeah. Um, but bald, and you can see like more of his tattoo. It, it's frankly it's one of the it's one of the better old age makeups in star trek he looked horrifying yeah um He's, it's just not going to turn out well for him that's right and now he knows don't get old man when you start to lose that hair just maybe fly a shuttle into the sun or something um they should have done this to tom paris and then like when he comes back next week they could be like ah, oh, your hair didn't come all the way back that's right they'd finally have an explanation for why right robert Duncan, Duncan McNeil. McNeil. Uh, his hair ain't so good. Um, uh, Neelix has a, a wild seizure of some kind and turns all weird and spotty. Yep. Uh, he's got the same kind of thing happening as Chaco, which they say is DNA hyperstimulation, and it makes Neelix look like he's some kind of Mylian because his great-grandfather or whatever was a Mylian. Schmollis and Balana work on a medical scanner together to try to figure out what's happening. On the scanner, Schmollis can see, like, a weird barcode on the jeans or something. <laughs> yep. It's really hard to care about what's happening in this. Um, uh, it just made me so mad because, like... It's, it's like, written on... Uh, Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But like, what's so? What's it printed in? What and also hey, what's that ink? Also, why? What is submolecular technology? What is any of this? Uh, whatever it is, it's clear this shit is artificial. Balana figures out that it's um, it's out of phase, and when she tries to to scan the ship to a phase variance of 0.15, the doctor starts to be deleted, and Balana yeah. uh chokes and collapses. In the next scene, the doctor's talking to Seven in her fucking head. Yeah. I guess he transferred... In him. an earpiece that she always always has, apparently, but which he knew about, you know, because he he's her great creator. Uh-huh. He's uh, talking to her in her brain, and he tells her to meet him in the Da Vinci simulation where he's hiding. Good thing we're using this set again. <laughs> for no Listen, reason. They paid for it. That's exactly Someone it. had to build all that uh, weird fake helicopter and all that shit. But even so. in real time, people had to go, oh, they just need to use this set again. Because <laughs> there's no reason. Uh, no, the, I mean, the reason was uh, Picardo was super excited to get to wear tights. <laughs> and, and he bragged frequently in interviews for oh, years no. about how often Seven of Nine was pinching his butt and how he had the best butt on the cast. Mm, why did you do research? I just read Memory Alpha. When it's you, not hard. When you do it, it makes it worse. I don't want to know that. Mm. I mean, I'm not surprised by it. <clears throat> <laughs> anyway, he's determined that somebody was watching him and Balana and uh, actively stopping them from making any progress. To, to be sly, he adjusts Seven's vision so she can see in that phase variance Balana wanted searched. Uh, so she's going to be all, all like a walking tricorder now. Yep, this was something they would have done with Jordy if this had been the worst episode of TNG. 
Seven notices immediately that uh, the crewmen, like walking around the ship, have all kinds of shit attached to them and in their heads and stuff, and nobody can see it, and that aliens are monitoring them and her and like poking her with probes and shit. It's a horror episode. Yeah. Yeah. Tuvort comes in uh, to talk to Janeway, and she's basically a raving lunatic at this point. Uh, when Seven shows up to talk to her, she can detect two aliens messing with Janeway's skull. So she can't speak freely, and she leaves, and Tuvok has a nice moment with Janeway. Yeah, Tuvok does have a nice moment with her. Says he'll uh, he'll hang out with her when this is all done. I don't remember where they're going to hang out. Da Vinci? It's probably Da Vinci, right? Uh, she was going to go to Tuscany, <sighs> and he would join her for a glass of wine. It was very close. Seven says she can modify a phaser to uh, uncover the aliens. The doctor thinks he can give everybody a crazy shock, which will cure them for some reason yeah you could give everybody on the ship neuroleptic shock so that's the double plan um seven's trying to get the energy discharge they talked about going when tuvork catches her she's uh kind of out of options so she reveals one of the aliens with a phaser and takes her hostage janeway interrogates this alien and uh this lady says hey we're just doing medical research we need it for science <laughs> Janeway puts hands on her, and the lady makes a lot of threats, and then Janeway has a conference to decide what to do next. But in the middle of that, the first fatality happens on the bridge. Some uh, unknown lady yellow shirt eats it. Because of some experiment the lady did. Janeway remembers that plan A is destroy the ship, always. Yep. So she starts to fly it into the pulsars. Uh, The aliens beam back to their ships and attempt to flee. Uh, Looked like one of them ate it. Uh, from yeah. the incredible, some of them got some of them got away. Yeah, from the incredible pressure of the pulsars, I guess. Uh, Voyager flies through to the other side of the pulsars and survive, despite all of Tuvork's shit about how bad the odds are. Um, no explanation other than good luck. Yep, they just made it through. They neutralize the alien tech and they get away. TP and Balana have a dinner date, but it goes bad because they're so busy being Starfleet. Then TP suggests maybe they're not in love at all. Maybe aliens were just experimenting on them. Then they get all gross and make out with half-chewed salad in their mouths. Thank God this is over. Bro, they talked about how good that salad was so much. Then I presume the surviving aliens come back immediately. (laughs) They're just like waiting off the bow. There's just no explanation for why things will be different. Maybe they'll finally fly towards home. Maybe, Maybe uh, they'll turn on the engines and go at warp speed toward Earth. Towards home? Yeah, that'd be great. Fucking idiots. Hey, we found a binary pulsar. Who gives All a right. shit? Is that going to get us closer to home? Give it a fucking cursory scan on the way past. Does it even have minerals that we need? He's putting together a mission to survey it closer. I don't understand. I think we should go in and get a good goddamn look. It's just... I don't know what to say anymore. Like every week, every week that they're doing some science and someone gets killed or something. Ben thinks this episode mm. is uh, that the mor- the moral is scientific knowledge shouldn't be purchased at the price of another's suffering. Oh, I get it. It's a cosmetics testing on rabbits. PETA episode. Yep. He gave it five points. Uh, my take is animal testing is inherently immoral. Uh, it's ve- it's slightly possible that this episode is actually meant to be about medical war crimes hmm. from like World War II, 
But there is something about the generic way Janeway says other species and not people. Yeah. And the fact that the experimenters exist in a different reality. Yep. That evokes animal testing for me. So it's a big take wrapped up in a dumb episode. The problem with the take, of course, is that they make no attempt to distinguish between necessary animal testing. Mm. They don't they don't explain why they don't have to do that anymore in the future. Or yep. so, or even yeah. what the difference is between testing on animals and testing on sentience. Right. Yep. So anyway, uh it's like half a take. I gave it three points. Hey, remember that great TNG episode Schisms? How about <laughs> yeah, we haven't done that one yet? How about where we silence has lease? Do you remember where silence has lease? Uh, we do remember where silence has lease. Yeah. It's another medical research on animals is a moral take that is extremely anti-scientific, and it gets the same score that silence got, which was one. You'd like to give Voyager some points for doing an episode about something, huh? But well, here's the problem. They're, they're always so wishy-washy with their stuff, too. Like, yes. I don't know, maybe God's real. Uh, here's what I wrote um, for execution. Who knew sci-fi was so anti-scientific? How many of these episodes did they make? I know the writer of this episode loves their dog or whatever, but the difference between experimenting on sentient beings and on mice and shit is so obvious that conflating the two is a dick move. It's like a weird straw man, disingenuous exercise. Yeah. This one's actually worse than Where Silence Has Least because the aliens are all mustache-twirling assholes. <laughs> like, Nagilam was supposed to be a vastly different form of life who was, like, genuinely curious about humanoids. Right, these people just—they're—they're—they uh, fr- they're, just have slightly better technology, frankly. Mm-hmm. They just have a good cloaking device. And make what you will of uh, that. The only aliens with speaking parts being severe-looking women. Uh, these writers may have had yeah, a number a point. of irrational fears they needed to get out of their systems. Is what I'm thinking. Like my bitch of an ex-wife. <laughs> Same thing on Voyager every week. Um, because remember, Nagilam was like. Oh, all right. If you're just going to kill yourselves, fine. You can just go. I'll just spit you out of the space hole. Fine. And then he and Picard have a nice chat afterward about how they'll meet in the stars again someday. But these people are just like, we like killing. (laughs) We want to kill you for science. And you're like, what's happening? So uh, it's a one for me. Ooh, one for execution, too. Yeah, Ben gave it a two. He said, spookyish, but mostly bad CGI of the insides of Doris and TP. Uh, he didn't like the massage table with naked Janeway. <laughs> he said, Chakotay doesn't look old. He looks like a damn alien. I was kind of in the same boat. <laughs> I was like, what happened to him? <laughs> he turned into a fucking, fucking lurch or something. It was horrible. Um, Lame DNA CGI too. How exactly are they using the scientific method here? What did that alien do or try to do to Seven? didn't seem successful is this anti-nazi mangala episode uh and they end on this x banter blech uh well uh continuing the the uh arithmetic progression i gave it a three Hmm. uh obviously it's like schisms yes but in schisms they don't discover what's happening 15 minutes in and spend 30 minutes trying to fight off some aliens and flying at a star (laughs) yep they also never speak to the aliens. No, because they go, and, they speak like this. Click, 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 click. Right. And the one they speak to in this one doesn't make any good points, and that's a real weakness. Like, they didn't put good arguments in that woman's mouth. No, she just said she needed to do it. They didn't, like... You understand the Vidians. 
Like, yeah. they do horrible things, but you know where they're at. Yeah, they're on the brink of extinction. These people are just like, I don't know, man. We might get some good patents. <laughs> That's right. I gotta, it's Publisher Parish. You guys understand. I know you get it. Hey, listen, I'm I'm on tenure track. I gotta get this done. Uh, Voyager loves horror more than any other Star Trek. They do love it. I hate it. But they're not good at it. No. And you know how when you watch a horror movie, all the characters are like real people? <laughs> like they're just like, it's regular people. That's what makes it horrible. Right. Everyone's so weird and not a person in Voyager. It just <laughs> doesn't work. Yep. Like you just, it's a horror, oh, it's, ooh, it's a horror scenario, but here's Tuvok. Yeah, you got a Tuvok and you got a Schmollis and you got right. a seven of nine. So I gave it a three. I'm a three on world building too. Okay. Binary pulsars, phase variants, submolecular technology, sevens, uh, Borg augmentations are going to c- continue to be a thing and not just, uh, she got a weird thing around her eye. Yeah. And she wears a silly glove. Yeah, that glove so oh. she doesn't get she can put her hand into stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's, I think that's what they said. <sighs> yeah, so just a three for you. You know what? It's actually a two. Okay. Uh, ben did give it a three. Space scientists, terrorists, somehow experiments on a different species is helpful to them. They must be physiologically similar to humans in some way to make it worthwhile. They seem to weirdly be mostly like mounting cameras to people using uh, like a headgear. There was a lot of headgear. Almost everything mostly, they did involved a headgear. This space dentists? What is if, it dentistry? What if they were just taking pictures of them looking real stupid? What if they were going to try to prank them later? Uh, would this be a better episode <laughs> if they really were just mounting cameras on people and it was just like a reality TV show for them? Mm, boy, how big was reality TV in the 90s? It was coming on because they already. I think Survivor had already started airing. By I have this point. no idea if because if that was a thing people were worried about. I mean, that's something. I mean, there was the Truman Show, that was in the nineties, yeah. right? I think that was in the nineteen nineties. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I definitely saw it at Century Twenty One. Um. So he was a three. I was a two on world building. Uh, let's see what hasn't been covered. Progeria was eradicated in the twenty second century. Right. Uh, the door behind Neelix's kitchen that leads just out into the hallway. Oh, yeah. That's right. She takes an escape route out Neelix's back door. Mm-hmm. So that goes into some other hallway, I guess, on the other side. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Be weird if there was all, the only doors into the mess hall were the main. They didn't have a kitchen door. Especially it would be pretty dangerous if they had a kitchen fire. You'd want to get out of there in a couple of different yeah, ways. Yeah, you'd want a second way out for sure. Uh, oh, they probably just have that force field from up the long ladder. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the one that kept putting out their their stupid hobo fire they kept trying to start that Picard probably hated. Yeah, good for the bloody ship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I said keep an eye on Seven to see how else they use her Borg tech from week to week. I'm guessing it's going to happen constantly. Um, characterization. I, I told you it was a two, right? Uh, for world building? Two it is. Oh, sorry. Characterization. Uh, Balana is realizing something about herself in this teaser, it sounds like. But the, yeah. it doesn't go anywhere. No. <laughs> I thought she was going to be like, I should try to be nicer to Seven because I sound like what people were yelling at me when I hated them. 
especially when it's like, oh, you got to go manipulate the power shits. And I was like, that's the thing Bolana told her not to do. Yeah. That's, that's what right. Bolana told her not to do at the beginning. But Bolana was already unconscious by then. So, yeah. Like, what should have happened was Bolana becomes unconscious later, or she's uh, back by then, and she catches Seven in there and she helps her. Yeah. And disable the. Sh- like, that would make more sense. For and they have a bonding wise. moment of some kind. Yeah, exactly. But no, nothing happened with that. TP is ditching work to make out with his girlfriend now. Uh, they agree to keep their shit a secret, but everybody already knows about it, it sounds like. Um, Tuvok and Janeway are friends for some reason. <laughs> They're closer than cl- closer than friends, closer than family. Well, it keeps, since, it keeps coming up. <laughs> since her shit with... Uh, yeah, exactly. Since her shit with Chakotay cooled off, she's... Yeah, falling back on her old That's her right. old relationship with Tuvok. Back to Tuvork, the guy who uh, talks shit about her in front of an admiral the first time she ever met him, and she definitely yep. remembers that because she talks about it. Also, don't forget when he uh, betrayed, betrayed the ship. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Tried to steal technology and sell it. Um, quick thinking by Seven to take an alien hostage when her plan goes tits up. Um, Chaco is pretty cool about being fucked with, and so is Neelix. They just have a fun conversation about who has it worse sitting on that uh, that medical bed. Did you find that to be a fun conversation? Mm, I think that's what they were going for. I thought it was, oh, Chakotay and Neelix have never spoken to each other this is the first in three time. years. <laughs> and so there's... They're just awkward. They actually don't have a relationship and this is the best scene we can write for them. Well, now they have a cool thing that they have in common. Because you're right, Chaco was definitely one of the dudes who was like, Tuvix is way cooler than Tuvok or Neelix. <laughs> I fucking love this Tuvix guy. Tuvix is dope. Tuvix is the fucking shit. Like, we can hang out, and he, like, is good at his job. It's pretty great. Tuvix and I shot hoops on the holodeck yesterday. He was pretty good. I didn't even know I liked He was basketball. pretty good. I don't think he'd ever played because he's nine minutes old, but he was really he was- good. He was just like, hey, you want to go shoot some hoops? And I was like, hey, you know I mean, what? I, I kind of do. It's been a while. It's good. Good exercise. We sweated it we out. We played horse. It's pretty good. He won. Oh, you killed him. But oh. it was fun. He's dead. All right. <laughs> um, some people in this episode, uh, particularly Janeway, are feeling some extra medical stress, so it was hard to judge everybody. Uh, I give it a four. Uh, I mean... I... Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, ben, so Ben gave it a, a three. He says that's a pretty big conceit by Torres. If she could adjust to Starfleet life, then so could a former board. <laughs> that's right. It's the same. Uh, You're just like I just, was. He says Tom Paris and Torres are doing the wild thing everywhere, and Janeway's sick of watching where she sits, like with a Motel 6 bedspread. Uh-huh. She's a real finger-wagging school marm this week. It was fun that Seven got a chance to be the hero. Uh, Janeway's reckless, I guess, but totally predictable. Always with the well, I'll just blow up the ship gambit. <laughs> That's right. She uh, really he, loves it. He's a three. I'm also a three. By the way, I don't think uh, Tom Paris and Belon Torres have had sex. <laughs> you think they're still just eating salad and, and making yeah. out? I think they do a couple of kisses, and then she announces that she's a senator and leaves. <laughs> and then she wears some dominatrix shit to their next yeah, meeting. Yeah, puts on her best dominatrix shit next time. What? Um, what was that film? <laughs> ah! I'll think about it. Uh, yeah, so so like you, my first thought was, who's normal in this episode? Right, because it's clear from almost the beginning Janeway is not. No, she's... the Yeah, no, she's not. Uh, 
Harry Kim, I couldn't remember anything that had happened to Harry Kim. I have no idea. Was he in uh, it? Tom Paris, uh, he's around. Okay. Tom Paris and Bolana, he 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 makes he cracks jokes with Tom Paris about getting caught and getting yelled at by Janeway. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. He shows up at the end too to interrupt their dinner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tom Paris and Milano Torres progress their relationship a little bit at the end of this episode, but it's mostly people out of control or unconscious. I gave it just three points. Okay. Quick hitters. Like we're not gonna, we can't escape this relationship. I really that the want producers to, have been pushing for a long time. So like, at, let's at least see that something is happening. But can I escape it though? That would be nice. Uh, are we supposed to believe that Janeway was going to go to the bridge holding a towel closed? That's right. Like, I know she's got a headache, but is that because she hit her head on something? Yeah, well, the same lady who hit Scotty on the head hit her on the head. So that's why she's so mad in this episode. Like She's like, oh, I'm so glad to be done with this m- creepy massage. I'll be on the bridge. Ru- I'm rushed right up to the bridge. But, like, it's not like she was wearing a robe or something. She was holding her towel closed. Yep. It was a pretty it was a pretty dumb joke. Yeah. I'm sure Chakotay, right before he got ultra zapped, was working on some like night reports or whatever. Hmm. But I like to think he's writing a mystery novel. God, that'd that's be just so, a little thing I'm doing in my head. That'd be so good. I wonder what it would be. It'd probably be about finding an old Indian artifact. I imagine so. Yeah. Uh, you don't inherit exactly an eighth of your genes from your great-grandfather. It's a little more complicated than that. That's just a nitpick I have. Sure. But maybe, but maybe Talaxians do. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, maybe, yeah, I guess if they don't have, uh, DNA recombination, they could be. But, uh, I don't know. Were Talaxians also created by the, uh... The, The dudes who spread their genes everywhere? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I assume. The biscuit recipe people. If not, what's the explanation for why everyone in the Delta Quadrant also... I assumed it was all the humanoids, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it seems like it. Uh, What's that barcode supposed to be on? Hey, hold on a second. That's a pretty clear 10 in world building, right? That episode? Oh, I mean... Like, even yeah, just... that's huge. M- just years in advance of that episode, just thinking, like, that's, pr- that's the bar, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, when we get to the chase part two... Yeah. Uh, that that is? I think it's is a one part. I think it's. I the think. Chase? I think it's a really packed, fucking forty-five minutes. Yeah, it must be dense. because yeah. it starts with the guy showing up and giving him the Carlinescus, and it ends with all of that. Yeah, anyway, yeah, recipe, recipe for biscuits, all that good stuff. Yeah, when we get to the chase, you're right. There's a possibility I hey, might have to score that a ten for world sorry building. Sorry to interrupt you again, but just thinking years ahead of it, is that the bar? Is that going to be a ten in characterization? Oh, I don't think I can count uh, Gulliset or uh, Nudak or th- that Romulan guy. <sighs> the Romulans are barely in it. Yeah, but that guy who sits up in the end is Colonel Monroe from Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, that is true. Um, Boy, and he's you're right. That's the most Scottish Romulan, isn't it? <laughs> he's like barely holding the Scots just back. just <laughs> thinking about him, and he looks like a combination of... Uh, Sean Connery and uh, Patrick Dewan, <laughs> uh, James Dewan, just uh, just in my head. His name should be Patrick Dewan. That's it more should be Scottish. Patrick. Should be James Patrick Dewan. Oh <laughs> uh, boy! Uh, hey, stay tuned for season six. Is the chase? Is that six or seven? Six feels like six. Seven is such wild trash. Yeah, I think it's six. 
what is the barcode supposed to be on? Mm. Like, whatever have we zoomed into an atom inside an amino acid? Yeah. Just a whole, it's just a round object. Uh-huh. They, they know that's not possible, hey, right? You know the, the writers of Voyager don't know anything about biology. They, this is a pure guess from them. They're like, I think if you zoomed in, it'd be like a lot of little round things. Well, they're supposed to have... Little balls. They're supposed to have a scientific advisor or consultant. Be like a, like a necklace. Look like a... Hey, could you write on DNA? String of pearls. What, what? if I tattooed a DNA? What would you tattoo it with? I'd put the I Atlanta Braves logo. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> How neat would it have been if you zoomed in and seen the Atlanta Braves logo? Hey, when we were seeing through uh, Seven's eyes, yeah. I mean, it would be super cool, <laughs> but it would be very challenging because I <laughs> have universe. never been a fan of the Braves. No. Like, you'd have to really think about it. You'd be like, does that mean the tomahawk chop is okay? <laughs> because it's on our DNA? Yeah. Uh, when we were seeing through Seven's eyes, uh, I realized that if you strap a bunch of equipment to people, uh, Star Trek starts to look a lot like Star Wars. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Janeway is on one. Good thing there were those binary stars right there. Flying right at a regular star wouldn't have done shit. <laughs> hey, there's not even a mention at the end of the damage done to decks 4, 8, 10, and 12. No, when they're about the to The whole up. ship sh- should be twisted after that little maneuver, oh, right? Just and don't, not, no, no, don't make it be twisted I don't mean again. like the episode <laughs> twisted. That's I mean, it should be... Enough. Like, the nacelles should be cockeyed compared to... Yeah, like, it should be... The ship should be all torqued around after having flown... Yes, and totally unflyable. Yes, but unfortunately, just like every week, it was as near destruction as you can get. And it'll be totally fine by the time the next episode starts. (sighs) Do you have to do quick hitters? I I already used them all. Okay, good. I gave uh, Best Actor to Nobody... Like, there were just no candidates this week for Best Actor. And Worst Actor, uh, to Janeway being mad about kissing, to when uh, Tom Paris was like, thanks, Tuvok. And she was like, Tuvok? I haven't heard a word from Tuvok. Mm-hmm. Why'd she say it so fast like that? Uh, that's what someone with a headache talks like. I don't think that's true. <laughs> uh, right, Ben had to... Uh, uh, yeah. he, he says, I sometimes wonder whether a captain faced with one of these ultimatums is always like, okay, fine, do the damn thing and we'll accept our losses. I don't know what he means by that. Does he mean th- why they're never like that? Yeah, yeah, probably, but never. Why are they never like that? It's a good question. They always are like, well, then I'll blow the ship up. This We've talked about this. When, when Nagilam is like, it'll only take like a third, maybe half your crew. Worf says it's acceptable losses, but Picard's like, nah, I'll take 100%. I'm going to do 100 yeah, there's a class at the Academy called Taking Your Ball and Going Home, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then he says that the writers never had a science class in grade school, which is obvious. Well, and they're mad at scientists. All scientists are nerds. Oh, God. They're evil. It's the way it's selfish. They hate science, science and scientists and everything about it. So. Two down, Matt. Two down. Not bad. We're only an hour 10 in. <laughs> uh, third place last week was Enterprise. Okay. This week we watched Countdown. I'm sick of hearing this one. Do 
sometimes Does it I change it for season four. No, sometimes I try to play along <laughs> and act like I, I'm into it just to try to know it's just I can't. How much? Why do we got to keep hearing that? I was expecting you to be, go like, oh, yeah, that the part we're usually <laughs> I just I can't do it anymore. Uh, Hoshi wakes up in a cell and Dolem tells her they need some encoded data translated mm. and threatens her life and straps her into a chair. Oh, Enterprise recovers its shuttle pod. Trip briefs T-Pole. Reed notifies Hayes about Hawkins' death. He was the one who got grabbed by that grabby arm and laser. Yeah. Janar and the unnamed primate counselor <clears throat> tell Archer that Dolem will need to bypass the arming codes to use the weapon, and Archer suddenly understands why Hoshi was kidnapped. Yeah, because they got to have three of those five codes that are, for some reason, broken down by species. Right, and Dolem has his, and he has Zorax, but yes. he needs a third one. That's right. Uh, uh, because they got that data last week, T-Pole and Trip believe that they've identified four control spheres in the grid of all the spheres. Mm. And Archer wants to know if they shut one of those spheres down, would it shut down all of them? Sure. And they say, maybe? Yep. Yeah, Trip and T-Pole are locked in a room the whole time. Uh, Dolem threatens Hoshi with uh, parasites in her neocortex, but she spits in his face, so she gets the injection. Mm. Uh, the Zindi, the other Zindi, have found where the weapon is. They had to take it out of the vortex in order to arm it. So Archer wants to meet with the aquatics to persuade them to send ships after it, because only the aquatic ships are powerful enough to fight the reptilian ships. Yeah. Anyway, his pleas don't move the aquatics over much, so he tempts them with his plan to maybe disable the spheres, though he kind of sells it like it's a sure thing. Yeah, he's like, I definitely got a hot tip on how to make those spheres go away. Yeah, he essentially tries to uh, bargain with them with something he doesn't yet have. Mm -hmm. Uh... We see a drugged up or actually parasited up Hoshi, and she tells them she's bypassed a level of encryption, so it seems like she's working for Dolan, but it's not fast enough for his liking, so he has her taken away for more parasites, and anyway, it turns out that she actually added a layer of encryption, so... Yeah, those parasites didn't get the job done right away. She bought a little time for him or whatever. Uh, T-Pole is real short with Trip. She thinks he's not carrying his weight coming up with his sphere plan. And when he sort of snaps back at her, she finally acknowledges that she's become emotional lately and she can't control it and it's going to be a while and she needs his help and she apologizes. Hmm. Um, the uh, lady sphere builder mm -hmm. is angry at Dolan for taking so long to launch the weapon and he's angry at her that she can't simply tell him the code that he's missing. Yeah, she's supposed to have all that future knowledge, so. Right. So they shout at each other for a minute. The unnamed primate counselor promises Archer that if they make it through this, he will honor Degra's wish and explore peace with Earth. Mm -hmm. uh, six aquatic ships appear, and it turns out they've accepted Archer's offer, so they'll help intercept the weapon if Archer will help disable the spheres. At this point, the Guardians, the Sphere Builders, determined that the timelines are now hugely in the humans' favor. Yeah, they got one of them timeline readers that tells them right. it's 
now it's a fucking 98% chance the humans win or whatever. So they think it's time to intervene directly. Dolem has uh, recovered the third code. The second dose of parasites worked. And uh, as Enterprise gets ready to follow a mixed Zindi fleet into a vortex to find them, Reed and Hayes work out some of their issues, but they don't kiss. Mm, maybe not while the camera's there. Maybe like after it cuts away. Uh, seemed like that was what was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Trip and Teepole and Archer eat steaks and discuss what will happen when this is all over. Mm. I feel like there's a moment in every episode now where they're like, we basically did it. Yeah. Guys, we did it. Uh, the arming sequence has begun on the weapon when the fleet arrives. Uh, Dolem is obviously concerned by the presence of aquatic ships. Enterprise comes out of the main aquatic ship's shuttle bay. And everyone starts shooting each other. Yeah. Uh, Hayes and the Makos board the reptilian ship with Hoshi on it. And they try to fight their way back to the beam in point with her. At this point, the uh, nearby sphere starts activating and anomalies form all around the weapon. And the big aquatic ship is destroyed. Uh, Enterprise's transporters take a hit. And Hayes and his men have to hold their position and eventually beam out a pair at a time. Until only Hayes is left on the ship. And he catches a bolt right through his chest as he beams out. Yeah. Um, the weapon is preparing to launch, so Enterprise tries to punch its way through the anomalies, but it slips away into a vortex before it can be stopped. Ugh. Reed visits Hayes in the sick bay. Hayes tries to name his replacement and uh, succumbs to his wound. And Reed briefs the surviving Makos on the plan. And here is the plan. Yeah. They're going to get on Degra's ship. It's the only ship fast enough to catch the weapon in the vortex. So he, Reed and three Makos, Probably and Archer, Archer yeah. and Hoshi, because <laughs> they need her information once she wakes up. She is still in a coma. Yes, she's volunteered for this mission, even though she is not awake. Yeah, Archer volunteers her. <clears throat> so they're all getting on Degra's ship. Uh, and... Uh, Trip and T-Pole are going to take the Enterprise over to Sphere 41 and try to disable the, the Sphere Grid. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the Insectoids uh, realized that Archer was telling the truth about the Guardians because they saw them intervene and make the Spheres do a thing. Yeah. So Dolem blows up Zorak. That's right. That's the end of that alliance. And we're... It's, again, not a to-be-continued, but that's essentially what it is. It We're in a cliffhanger never again for next week. It fucking ends. It just goes and goes and goes. We've been at the finish line for many months. Ugh. Matt, what's this one about? To me, this was yet another heavy as the head that wears the crown episode. From Reed and Hayes' discussions about both of them being responsible for uh, Sergeant What's-His-Name, who got got. Corporal Hawkins. Whatever. And, um... Archer sticking his neck out about the spheres and volunteering an unconscious Hoshi and all this other shit. I guess it's about making the tough call and them being responsible for it. But honestly, I, this was one that wasn't about anything. So um, I gave that take a five. Okay. I think that's what I've given it all nine times it's come up. Ben's a two. Uh, his take is eventually the good guys win. And of course, we're the good guys. Right. I gave it a two as well. 
I really struggled to track down a take in this one. It was 100% an action episode. Archer never appears to to worry or explore these heavy decisions that he's making. (laughs) Right. Um... I don't know. I thought that the only takeaway I could get from this episode was sometimes you have to make a promise before you know you can keep it. <laughs> it's just such a bad take. <laughs> like sometimes you have to make a promise and live up to it. Sometimes you just got to lie a little bit. This is an action episode. Mm-hmm. This action from beginning to end with like two two mo- two emotional moments. Yeah. Maybe three. Uh, that's nothing. That's a two. Fair enough. What about uh, Execution. All of the scenes feel like they came uh, from a checklist. Yeah. Hayes tells Reed he feels like he's part of, finally feels like he's part of the team before he dies. Um, Teepool asks Trip for help with her problem, although she doesn't say what it is, really. Mm. Uh, Hoshi gets tortured for information. They don't take any time to explain why the uh, sphere builders would are hesitating to use the spheres. Yeah, do they only get one shot? What is it? Yeah, what's the, like, is it because they were worried that if they activate the spheres, then everyone would realize that they were manipulating the Expanse? Maybe. Or, like, what's the deal? But it would be nice if one of them said, but if we intervene, then they'll know. Exactly. Right. And and it also makes it not make sense why she says at about minute 25 that it's time to intervene, and then they say it again at about minute 40, (laughs) and do intervene? Yeah. It's like, okay, what happened for the last day in, in real time or whatever? Right. Uh, but honestly, for the most part, this episode was fine. It, the, all the action worked. We're moving through this story. It's taking a long time, but, you know, things are happening. I gave it a five. Uh, ben gave it a six. He says the reptilians go from a huge likely threat to a huge actual threat, but the bulk of the episode seems to just count down a few ticks of the clock that have gone by. Uh, yeah, it's another one that doesn't move the ball very far. It's We're still... We're at the end we, like we have been forever. Uh, reptilians pushing back on their time-traveling overlords a bit. Why are the insectoids suddenly irrelevant? Yeah, and then they get blown up at the end. Uh, big battle... Lots happening in the last 10 minutes. The aquatic ship cracking up and venting water into space, which immediately freezes, is good sci-fi and interesting, he says. And then major stakes with Sato rescue and Major Hayes' death. Um, <clears throat> I was only a four. Uh, this one was only tangentially about the challenges of leadership, which was what my take was. It was mainly action and plot. Um... I ask again, why does each species have a launch code? Yeah. Why? Why Why is it always broken down that way? I don't have any particular criticism of this episode other than that, as usual, it was seemingly written to keep the plot going. Things conveniently go Enterprise's way without explanation when the plot needs them to, and then they go for the reptilians without real explanation when the opposite is needed. So that at the end of the episode, we're just still going. Yeah, but now Dolm is down to one ship and the weapon, right? If all, I mean, we got to be near the end of the season, so right. So yeah, just a four for me. Um, world building. Have we talked before about Dolom's dumb wire and tubes shirt? <laughs> no, I don't think we have. It's really a wild look. Like we only learned his name last week <laughs> in real in you know if we if we hadn't had uh, memory alpha <laughs> yeah or uh, timelines. <laughs> That's where I learned it. I think. 
Uh, yeah, it's a dumb shirt. It looks preposterous. I know there are a lot of aliens with dumb shirts, but that one maybe is the dumbest shirt. Well, especially because, like, he seems to spend his off time in just a tanning bed. Yeah. Uh, not wearing that shirt. So, like, what what are the tubes and shit? Do? I was just going to say, I don't know what the function of the tubes are. I like tubes. I'm a reptilian. Uh, Enterprise still looks all beat up. It makes you wonder how Voyager always manages to make repairs between episodes. It's not the best part of Voyager. It's one of the ways they sell out the premise of Voyager, right? Yes. Because the, they're not... Yeah, they're all alone out there, but it seems like they can survive and recover from anything, so... Yep, and they can always have enough shuttles and torpedoes and crew and everything they need. Um, The propulsion system has to be offline for the weapon to be armed. The aquatic ship looks just like a white star from Babylon 5. Yeah. <laughs> It really does. It was very Babylon 5-esque. Just yet another biting of B5. Except I think the white star's a lot smaller than that. Uh, They're powerful but slow. The Aquatics, uh, they learned Earth or English. That was nice of them. <laughs> yep. All the stuff about uh, the command and control spheres. Um, the Reptilians know mind control torture. Enterprise flew around in the aquatic ship's belly for a little while. Um, Hayes' communicator doesn't work in certain sections of the reptilian ship. They never explain it. Yeah, it is not clear why it doesn't work in Hoshi's cell, but it does work in the corridor outside Hoshi's cell. Uh, the sphere activation from the future? I only say that as a question because they're always just in a bunch of fog. It is extremely unclear. I don't know where they, they are. are in the future or they just have some... Well, no, because we know they could send those dudes to the past. I just, I don't know what that is. Like, what is that yeah. fog that they live in? I think these are the wormhole aliens. Oh, it is kind of reminiscent of that, isn't it? Yes. Except they don't take, oh, I guess no one, no one has been there. Like, if Archer was there, it'd be all, uh, Trip would be one of them. And... Yes, that's right. Uh, and they missed their chance to make it a Chrono Trigger tie-in. They could have been in that room at the end of time. With all oh, the yeah, with portals. The... Exactly. With the guy with the bowler hat? Yes. Who was... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more stuff about how things can pass through somebody being transported, which is always inconsistently handled, including this week. Yeah, this time it can kill you. Yep, but in another episode this week, it, di it didn't do nothing. <laughs> um, the falling out between the reptilians and the insectoids for reasons, you know. They were, they were ride or die until just that moment, and now they're, the insectoids are out. Um, well, the insectoids are supposed to be impulsive, right? Yes, and also they got long names. That's we know a lot about them. Yep. Um, yeah, so it was a four for me in world building. I feel like there was there was some stuff some stuff going on. It's not that I don't think we learned enough for it to be a four. Jeez, mm. uh, uh, what was Ben on this one? Four. He's a four. He's always with the introducing of parasites <laughs> into human brains. Yep. The inside of the reptilian ship looks super campy, like a late Doctor Who set. Mm. What's up with the spinning power core thing? Uh, it's the Romulan mine. But <laughs> otherwise, yeah, it's a good question. It's true. Nothing about reptilian garb or tech makes sense. And we haven't seen one of those flippy phone communicators in a long time. Uh, it's not that I don't think that there was enough for a four. Like, different Zindi species have different ships and they have different attitudes. Like, what's his name in the water? Uh, dolphin boy or dolphin girl? 
Uh, no, uh, Jannar doesn't like being around. Oh, water. right, right. I got you. Uh, His species builder, doesn't like it. Right. Intervention in the timeline. Dolem's power play. There ain't one of Is those guys gonna... that wants to go for a swim. I don't believe it. There should be at least one of them. Sounds racist to say it like that. It kind of is, huh? It's just that it's hard to get excited about world building at what feels like the second to last time we'll ever see this indie. God, I fucking hope so. I don't know that that's true, but that's what it feels like. I've had enough. I gave it a three. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Characterization. Reed and Hayes are a mess. <laughs> Sloppy. They're like back at it at the start. Yeah. And Because one Mako died? And it's like, yeah, I don't know, whatever. Uh, T-Pole starting to accept her emotions and her connection to the crew. She mentions that she's thinking about joining Starfleet. Yeah. Archer goes out on a limb and makes some hard calls. But this isn't a character episode. No. And uh, I thought that the unnamed primate counselor had some of the stronger moments. So it's not great that he doesn't have a name. <laughs> no, it's not amazing. Um, I, I haven't been here for characterization. And I also am just like, this other guy, you know who. Yeah, I just gave it a three. I thought it was a three. Uh, ben has it one higher at a four. He says, interesting that T-Pole being more human in her emotions does actually help the character a bit. Perhaps it's because Jolene Blaylock has real human barely within her acting range. <laughs> or at least vulnerable girl, he says. Uh, well, she's certainly bad at Vulcan. She's not good at that. Yeah. I guess the Mako Major and Reed don't have beef anymore. Well, it ain't gonna matter. Trip and Teeps are getting close together again. She's exploring her feelings for uh, for real a little. The Major dies. Too bad I liked him better than Reed. Well, Reed's detestable. <laughs> uh, I had it as much as a five. Ooh. Archer is wildly emotional about Hoshi, despite them almost never interacting before. Oh, but last week he told her about the time he went to the principal's office. Yep, last week when they shoehorned all that dialogue in, so then we'd be like, oh, they're friends. Oh, he's going to be sad that she's gone. He basically lies to the aquatics about how they can disable the spheres, but, like, I mean, he needs their help. <laughs> yep. He needs it. Um, He volunteers Hoshi to go on a dangerous mission while she's out cold. Hoshi did a spit on Dolom. It's true. I couldn't really tell. It was pretty dark in that room. I didn't know if she gave him a real good, like, spit on Kirk kind of spit. <laughs> or if it was kind of dry. I couldn't tell. It it wasn't as cool as that, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> it didn't, like, pool up around the edge of his nose and drip down. <laughs> that fucking girl got him. <laughs> that was not the first time that girl had spit. No, she knew how to do that shit. Uh, Hoshi also tries to do a suicide, but, like, wasn't quick enough. She was gonna jump down one of them. One of them, uh, One of them things that in Star Wars, if you jump down it, you definitely would live. Yeah, that's true. In the real world, even just even if the floor was twenty feet down, you would probably die. <laughs> if but you jumped in, the right uh, way, you would definitely die. But in Star Wars, you just never die that way. In Star Wars, you're for sure. Even if you're cut in half, half. like yep, yep, you're yep, fine. Yep. Cut, being cut in half might help. You know, if you have to catch yourself with your arms, not having to catch oh, all that leg true. mass. Assuming your arms are not at all disabled by the fact that you were cut in half, then yeah, you should yeah. be in good yeah, shape. Yeah. Um. She did add a, a layer of encryption, which they, they were showing she's tough and resistant to torture, but uh, in the end, they, they do break her. Um, T-Pole sucks and her attitude sucks, but she still has the hots for Trip. She also wants to be in Starfleet full-time, maybe, when it's over, when this fucking mission is over. Um, let's see. 
this other guy, this is what I say, this other guy who was one of Degra's buddies takes up the cause on his behalf. Reed and Major Whatever aren't fighting anymore. It also became clear Hayes was doomed midway through that mission. Yep. As soon as they were like, oh, transport is busted, it's like, oh, he's going to sacrifice himself in some dumb way. Yep. Yeah, this is how it's going to go. Yeah. Uh, that's all I had. Quickies. Uh, worst actor candidate Hoshi for her bad anger at Dolem in the teaser. That's very flattering, but you'll have to manage on your own. Yeah, that wasn't great. All, I gave I I picked another moment. All with wild inflections. Yo, Major Hayes only took three other guys with him. Yeah. There's more Makos than that on the ship, right? Yeah, what are they? Oh, we know there are more. There are more in the next scene with Makos. What are you what are you saving them for? This is a this would be a good time to take them. It's an assault mission. Just take the guys. I don't Hey, if you took all of them, do you think he could blow up the whole ship? He would probably just end the mission. <laughs> like, just take all the guys over there. It's weird. In fact, I should put that in execution. But, <laughs> uh, and that's it. I never have very many quick ones for Enterprise. Uh, I felt like the uh, what happens when this is all overseen was a big plea to the network. Like, <laughs> hey, if you let us come back next year, we'll. Tipo will join Starfleet and we'll go back to exploring. It'll be Star Trek again. That's right. Uh, directed by Tom Paris. Oh. And then uh, they spent the whole last week with the party split. Yeah. And they're going to do it again, it seems. Yep. We're doing another uh, two-placer next week. Yeah. Uh, best actor, Janar, uncomfortable around water. Worst actor, Reed, giving his big speech to the Makos after Hayes' death. Mm, yeah, it's, you know what, I, it's, I feel kind of bad. I'm not sure who's good at that speech. That's it's, a tough it's, one. It's a tough speech for sure, but, uh, and frankly, uh, a, a certain commander, Riker, fails that same speech mm. also. So. This week, yeah. <laughs> By the way. No, because he fails it in universe. He fails, yeah, in universe. In universe, fail. he fails it. Everyone looks around like, oh, that's fucking. In universe, sucked. he does so bad that Guinan can sense it in ten four <laughs> right. and has to come to the ready. She room. immediately walks up there like, oh, he's really blown. Oh, I felt no. everyone's oh, morale go no. down. I don't know how I <laughs> something's like the universe shifted. Something really bad just happened. Uh, ben didn't have any quick hitters for that yeah, one. I don't blame them. And we will talk more about Riker, but next we're going to talk about. Our second place finisher last week, Deep Space Nine. Yay! This week we watched Hippocratic Oath. Ooh, too muddy. No, go back to the old one. Worf sucks now. <laughs> All right, I'm going to take this A plot and then B plot. This yes, is, let's. This is a pretty classic A plot, B plot. There's nothing that is that they ties them together. They do not connect in any way. Bashir and O'Brien are on their way back from somewhere in the gamma quadrant. When they pick up signs of a damaged ship and go to investigate, uh, they get shot down by something and they crash land so fucking softly. It was some fucking, despite hitting a lot of trees, (laughs) which is very bad for an airplane. I mean, you'd think it would be bad for a runabout. Extremely bad. But no, they they land so softly. It was some fucking sully shit, dude. They just fucking went down on the Hudson and they were all okay. Uh, Anyway, when they come out of their, uh, they come out of Runabouts must be much heavier. Like the reason that's so bad for an airplane is because 
everything on an airplane is like an, a quarter of an inch thick at most. Oh, yeah. So that plane, like, the wing would just fly off when you hit a tree. Yeah. Uh, runabouts must be made of much thicker materials and therefore they must be much heavier. I mean, they didn't even have their like customary scene where they black out for 10 minutes and then they get up and they have like a cut on their head, but then they're fine the rest of the episode. Like literally yeah, no. they just look at each other like, eh, oh, well, <laughs> I guess we crashed. All right, so they're out of the run. Yeah, they get out of there, and some Jem'Hadar snore out of the forest and take them Wait, prisoner. Wait, okay, so uh, number one, why do they get out of the runabout? Because it's hot in no, there. No, it, ter- it turns out <laughs> later that the runabout can just fly away from that spot. <laughs> I know. They needed to get out to fix it. Mm, did they? I don't know. I don't know, but they do get out. They- I know that. Don't tell me they didn't get out of the runabout. Anyway, some Jem'Hadar snore out of nowhere. Yeah, they snore out of the forest and take them prisoner credits. Um, the Jem'Hadar interrogate Bashir and O'Brien, and one of them wants to execute Bashir and use O'Brien as, like, a really cool prey so they can hunt. Yeah, he's gonna, listen, we've been through this. He's gonna take him on a run. He's gonna get in his underwear and hang his uniform from a tree. It's gonna be a whole thing. (laughs) That's right. But the leader refuses to execute them for now. Later, uh, that same leader comes back and fetches Bashir, uh, leaving O'Brien in their weird little makeshift cave prison. He tells Bashir to work in this lab that he set up. He's going to do some scientific research for him. He's going to try to break the Jem'Hadar of their addiction to Ketracel White, which the Vorta used to control them. Right. This guy, Garanagar, that's the name of the the main Jem'Hadar, knows it can be done because he is free of the addiction. And um, he thinks it's this planet that did it because he crashed here a long time ago. And then he realized when he ran out of the Ketracel White that he didn't need it. So he came back to this planet. He thought it cured him. It can cure the others. But so far, it's been a no-go. So he needs Bashir to figure out what it is about this place. Also, there's a ticking clock. He's got five days. That's how much Ketracel White they got. Five days worth. Two days later, apparently we do a straight two-day jump. Yep. O'Brien and Bashir are working on an escape plan. I don't think Bashir's done any research to this point. Yeah, at this point, it does not. It appears that he is uh, 100% all in on escape plan. They are interrupted during their escape plan, and a makeshift zapper they made gets one of the Jem'Hadar in the leg. Um, O'Brien gets taken back to his cell, and Bashir informs Garanagar that he cannot heal this Jem'Hadar. The guy asks for death, but Garanagar refuses. He could heal him if he had a surgical unit. He just can't do it right now. Yeah. It's not like this guy's going to have to lose that leg for sure. No, but if they don't get off this planet to somewhere with a, a cool medical bay, it's, it's over. Um, uh, later, Bashir is scanning Garanagar and finds that his body's naturally creating Ketracel White, which is... That's something. Yep. They talk for a bit, and Garanagar shows that he's questioning everything about the Dominion and the Founders... Bashir goes to O'Brien to convince him to cooperate so they can cure the Jem'Hadar. O'Brien hates this idea. And they fight a bit. Later, O'Brien and a Jem'Hadar talk shit to each other, and then O'Brien beams himself into the woods. (laughs) As Bashir explains that Garanagar likely was never addicted to the drug at all, the order goes out to capture O'Brien, but not to kill him. Uh, This makes Garanagar's lieutenant question him uh, for the last time. Knowing now that he's lost control of his men, Garanagar leaves Bashir to keep working and goes to protect O'Brien from his men. O'Brien waits until the Jem'Hadar are, like, all out in the woods looking for him and comes back to rescue Bashir, who tells him, uh, I can't leave. I gotta help 
uh, break their addiction to this white. He tells O'Brien to just leave without him. O'Brien does one of those things where he one of those things where he starts to leave, but then he turns around at the last second to look cool and blows up Bashir's <laughs> dumb lab. Yep. So that he has no reason to stay. Like he could have just gone. Nah, I'm gonna blow up your lab. But he had to be cool about it. Uh, Garanagar decloaks. And they talk for a bit, and he's clearly given up, and he's just going to lead them back to the runabout so they can leave, and maybe maybe Bashir will keep working on it. I think is what his weird plan is. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but he runs into his lieutenant, who is like Animal Wharf inside of the uh, runabout, just throwing <laughs> shit around and growling. <laughs> he's pounding around in there and making noise. <laughs> and he shoots that guy dead. He says that he's going to stay, and he's going to kill all of his men in battle rather than have them die slowly of withdrawal from the drugs. Uh, Bashir tries to stop him, but Garanagar tells O'Brien to explain it to Bashir, which he immediately does. Immediately. Yep. Then they fly away. Uh, O'Brien and Bashir have some uncomfortable conversation, but don't worry, they're still friends. Uh, meanwhile. B-plot. Yeah. Worf is on a dumb stakeout at Quark's within quiet speaking distance of his target. <laughs> the guy is two tables over, I think. Quark tries to mess up his shit by remarking loudly all about it. And then Kira comes by to chat and Worf complains that Odo just lets Quark do what he wants, even though he's a dang criminal. <laughs> Which is true. Worf takes his shit to Cisco and Cisco tells him security's Odo's job. So like, just uh, drop it and do strategic operations, whatever that is. Later, Worf and Dax give a briefing about Klingon stuff to Cisco. And uh, Worf confronts Odo afterward with more evidence that he has against Quark and this smuggler he was eyeing before. He got kind of oversteps and Odo gets annoyed and leaves after like initially playing it pretty cool. Um, Worf sneaks into Quark's and witnesses Quark meeting the smuggler again and goes and finds Odo and shouts at him a bit. Odo tells him to eat it. Uh, later, as Quark and the smuggler meet yet again, Worf pops out from behind the wall and starts to <laughs> arrest them. Yep. Then Odo reveals himself to be the bag of latinum that Quark was going to use to buy the dumb crystals the guy's selling him. And says he was going to bust this whole smuggling operation wide open, but now because Worf sucks, he'll have to settle for the middleman. Uh, Worf is left looking like a, a dang old fool. And he goes to Cisco, who is doing a clock thing, maybe? He is making it maybe a clock. He's making that a really, clock, I think. It's something with pendulum action if it's not a clock. He is very fucking diverted by this clock thing. Uh, and he tells him, hey, look, I fucked up Odo's investigation. And Cisco tells him, eh, shit's just different here. You'll get used to it. No big deal. This plot doesn't mean anything. The end. <laughs> so, what was this? Uh, beautiful two piece about. Uh, uh, on the frontier, morality is a little murkier. Mm. Uh, what's happening here is Worf coming to Deep Space Nine is a relaunch, right? Yes. So they're trying to drive this home again for the TNG fans who followed him over, but it's like that's the whole first season of Deep Space Nine, right? Uh, and O'Brien, O'Brien is this is and O'Brien is a uh, power play. O'Brien, we can talk about <laughs> yeah, that. He is. And uh, and Worf is animal. Bash- Worf, we got the best version. Worf is animal. Yeah, right. Yeah. So Bashir is doing Standard Federation stuff, and O'Brien is like, 
He's just going to blow shit up and disobey orders and be an idiot, right? Because it's the only way to save you. Um, Right. Again, m- morality is different out here. Hmm. Federation rules don't work out here, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's, it's, they've done it over and over again before. And uh, uh, also, O'Brien's just full of shit top to bottom in this episode. So I only gave it a three. Um. Okay. Ben gave it a four. He said, don't assume you always have all the answers. Someone else's way of thinking can be even better or more situation appropriate. That's, that's true. It's not a hot take. Um, I guess my lame way of trying to tie the two plots together was, <laughs> who is your enemy is a question worthy of careful consideration. O'Brien sees all the Jem'Hadar as the enemy. Bashir thinks these individual Jem'Hadar could be their allies and could lead to even more allies down the road. Right. Of the two of them, for some reason, Bashir is the one who's seen Iborg. That's right. And not <laughs> And not O'Brien. O'Brien, who was... What season was Iborg? Uh, well, it's a good question. I don't think he's involved, but no. I don't know. If it was season five, he was Yeah, there. if it's five, he's still technically around. Um, But yes, yeah. you're right. Uh, And Worf thinks Quark and Odo, maybe, are the enemy, but comes to find out he was the dang old, dang old bad guy fudging everything up the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So. Just stomping around and yelling about honor. Did stand it behind the wall and then coming out and going, I caught you! I'm, I caught you guys doing bad. I'm arresting you. I wish that the start of that scene, the smuggler would have been, do you hear heavy breathing? <laughs> I'm serious. It sounds said, like that ventilation's weird on this station. It sounds like we are like 10 feet from somebody who needs to fucking get on a treadmill. Cause they are. I thought I heard someone shape. mutter. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, well, anyway, who is your enemy is a question worthy of careful consideration. I gave a six because of it has applications. Yeah, I guess so. <clears throat> Examinations. Please. It's a good choice to make Bashir and O'Brien's situation one where we hear both arguments and nobody gives in to the very end, but it means they sort of want us because it, it means they sort of want us to think about it. Unfortunately, we also see that Bashir is right because we <laughs> get to see all of Garanagar's shit. Yeah, exactly. So now we just kind of think O'Brien sucks again. Yep. Like, if they hadn't shown us the Garanagar shit, and then you were just, it was a kind of an open question. Yeah, they go so out of their way, like, Garanagar is not half measures, right? He's not like, I'm salty about the Vorta, and I want to get my men off of the Ketracel White. He's got to have scenes where he's like, I don't think the founders are gods. <laughs> yeah. And our gods hey, we, don't talk to us. They won't wait here for to us escape after we... Forda rules. So we don't, yeah. all of our t- dumb traditions, just forget them. We're going to be, uh, we're, we're ultra hippies now. Also, I just met you, but I'm going to shoot my lieutenant right in the fucking head. <laughs> yeah. That guy had weird eyes. So it's not, that's not the best way to handle that. Um, for the wharf plot, this makes it clear we're getting weird, petulant wharf on DS9. Yeah. Not cool, honorable wharf. Odo just seemed way more professional and less shitty in this one. So, I mean, that's going to be a bummer to track. Yeah. Um, But I do think it's interesting to to take a look at the Jem'Hadar and be like, I guess they're not just killing machines. I just hope later they don't walk that back and like, nah, they're just killing machines. 
I, that would be a fear I have with this episode. I like I, because we've seen this before. I know there's more shit where eventually they're gonna find out that like if a Jem'Hadar makes it to five, mm. they're an honored elder. Oh yeah, so, like I know we will get more into Jem'Hadar society. Honestly, I think this episodes. season they pair up with some Jem'Hadars. They team up with some Jem'Hadars. Right. Um, it's a four for me. Uh boy. What did Ben have? Ben gave it a a four. He says the Jem'Hadar leader cares about his people in a very human way. Uh, <laughs> Goranagar tells O'Brien to explain to Bashir why he's staying, but I thought they yeah, do it all the way back, not just in the forest. I, so I you saying, two had the same point there. In my description, like he literally immediately goes, "Oh, so what he was saying was um." He's like, he can't leave his men behind. There's men. They trust him. And Bashir doesn't go, yeah, let's talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, like, we're supposed to be leaving can now. Can we leave? This, is, this has gone totally tits up. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Uh, I gave it as many as a five. Um, the Bashir half is a very TNG story, and I liked it. O'Brien is shitting up the works in an almost tragic way. Yeah. Although they could have made it a little more tragic and less idiotic if he'd actually talked about his time fighting the Cardassians. Mm. And, like, maybe that was why. He couldn't. Yeah, they kind of allude to it. It's like, you're a right. soldier. They, yeah. There's like a couple of hand-waved sentences about it. Right. The Wharf half is really some relaunch work that establishes he's not going to be doing the same things here he was on TNG, firing the phasers and pacing through the corridors. Yeah, but what? But it's a little dumb that no one tipped him off that a sting was going on. <laughs> we'll, I have much more to say about it. But, like, what is his job? Just to yeah, give briefings on what the Klingons he, are doing? Yeah, he wasn't... Uh, like, uh, That's not a job. Something about tracking the comings and goings Ugh. of ships and stuff like that. And Worf, Worf should be like, that's the worst you gave me. Kira's old job. <laughs> that's right. Are you going to make me do and all... She of, hated it. Because uh, you can't tell me I can't be the detective because I know you made Kira the detective six times. So... Yeah. Do I have to do I have to get a law degree at night, <laughs> too, in case some, tr- some trill shit comes up here? That's right. I'm the trill expert. <laughs> ridiculous um well he can work with lita lita's a trill expert yeah even if odo wanted to uh to take advantage of Worf's surveillance blunders for authenticity he he could have pulled them aside at the last minute yeah i'm about to go in there i'm gonna be some latinum so don't mess it up uh and somehow cisco never manages to tell Worf the main thing he says to every starfleet officer when they show up on deep space nine that it's a Bajoran station and their guests there. I know. They gotta get and they gotta get used to doing things a different way. Like somehow he just missed saying that to Worf. But I have always liked Worf apologizing for his mistakes. Yeah. He is the best taking one on the chin guy in TNG. Yeah. Oh yeah, he marches right to Cisco. He's like, Well, I did a fuck up. Okay, second best. The best is for sure in Gambit when Data brings Worf in. Oh, choose yeah. him out and then says I'm sorry if I have ended our friendship <laughs> <laughs> and Worf is like what the fuck's happening <laughs> Worf's um, like I just want to get out of this room I just want to get out of this room <laughs> uh, but anyway so I like that so the ending kind of saved it for me a little bit I gave it a 5 Okay. what about the world building <clears throat> um, the Dominion have a lot of knowledge of various starfleet specializations mm-hmm. and they have procedures for how to treat them like the gem hadar know a lot about starfleet yeah remember how much they knew about the alpha quadrant in their first meeting yep. it turns out they've been studying more yep uh makes them seem again not like killing animals but like professionals mm-hmm. uh, a lot of stuff about catracel white 
Uh, we learn a lot about the Jem'Hadar feelings about the Vorta and the Founders. And uh, again, we do some season four establishment of the ways DS9 is different from Enterprise. I thought we had us a, a six here. Oh, wow. Building. Yeah, because of yeah. Uh, the the stuff we learn about all things Dominion. Yeah, there's just there's just a lot of it. Okay. Uh, ben had it as a four. He says we actually get a look at O'Brien's collar rank insignia. I'm sure we have before, but it was clear here and it's interesting. Three flattened chevrons laid sideways with two or three stars above or to the right of the chevrons. Yep. Uh, the Jemadar are trying to escape the hold of the drug they are under the influence of. The commander would rather die than let his command suffer under uh, withdrawals. Um, let's see. The Bopok system. Mm-hmm. Magneton pulse indicating damage. You can always tell when you've started yours. <laughs> Magneton pulse indicating damaged warp drive. Uh, like you said, the Jemadar are well-versed in Starfleet shit. Uh, the Vorta control catcher cell white, the drug that keeps the Jemadar subservient. Their entire genetic structure is designed to collapse if they don't have it, but this boy here seems fine. Uh, Gowron declared victory in the Cardassian War and returned home after the yeah, aborted in- invasion. Interesting, but not really touched on when Worf says that if, uh, if, Gowron, if Gowron's actions last week had been seen as a defeat, he, he would, would have been assassinated that's by right. now. Yeah, someone would have challenged him. Though we learn later that he's a hell of a knife fighter, so I don't know if he would have lost. He, he fucking makes Kalas look like a little bitch. Oh, later you mean in... Sorry, later in this project. Earlier later in, in this project. Earlier chronologically. Would have, we would previously have seen that already. Yes, yeah. Uh, the Gemini. The legendary Kalas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He laughs right in his fucking face after he beats his ass. After Kalas, by the way, does his very best to save face and starts to like laugh and clap and sing songs like, wow, you're not, you don't have any joy in your heart. And Gowron's just like, who the fuck is this guy? It's really good. I can't wait for that one. Um, The only problem with that one for me is that it starts the, it is the beginning of religious wharf. And after that wharf is no good. Well, especially because if anything in that episode, he should learn. He should learn his lesson. Yeah. <laughs> like, the thing you believe in is fake. <laughs> um, The Jemadar have never seen a founder. Uh, they will later see them for sure, but I guess at this point they have never had need to this interact. This Jemadar has never seen a founder. He makes it seem like they just don't reveal themselves to them. Yeah. He says, our gods don't talk to us. They don't wait for us after we die. None of that stuff. Um, I had it as a four. I I guess I could see it as high as a six. Um, there's definitely some stuff going on with the, uh, the Dominion. Um, characterization. Quark is messing with Worf's very bad security operation. (laughs) Worf asks the very good question, why is the arms dealing terrorist sex criminal allowed to walk all around the station doing crimes? Worf probably doesn't even know all that stuff. There's no way Cisco made a report about that <laughs> sex contract conversation. It would he be had. tough to justify having that bar open if he reported that shit. Uh, Worf finds that security was much easier on a Federation starship. Like you can't just sit at the bar with a big old mugshot of the guy you're chasing, and that guy's 15 feet from you. Do you suppose? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's it's such a waste because Cisco doesn't like say stuff like, "Well, there were children on that ship. Did you go around arresting everybody all the time? Like, did you 
you understand that not everyone is a Starfleet officer and that you have to enforce rules differently. Mm. Worf probably put a lot of kids in the brig for Starfleet oh, hell dinosaurs yeah. and stuff, huh? Yes. Probably put his son in the brig, don't you think? Like, uh, after uh, Riker caught those two kids in the conference room, oh, how did man. they get there, by the way? But he caught them in the conference room uh, playing with model ships or whatever the yeah, fuck. Yeah, and he told Worf, them to get Worf out. Worf and put those kids right in jail. They thought they were safe, but then Worf fucking nabbed them. Alexander spent at least two nights in the brig, right? Oh, for sure. Um, Do you suppose Worf knows Odo is a shapeshifter? Does Worf have an office on the Enterprise? We never see it. We see the blue room. Is that his office? Where does he do... When he goes to put someone on report, does he just stand there behind Picard's chair (laughs) writing up a report? That's what he did when he put Ensign D'Amato on report. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Does Worf know Odo's a shapeshifter? It's got to be in his fucking file, right? Did no one tell him? (laughs) They, they thought it was so obvious they didn't need to tell him during introductions. What I think no one told Worf is that uh, Odo has secret cameras all over the station and he doesn't have to be in Quark's bar to watch a deal go down. I wish someone had told him some of this stuff. Like Kira, maybe, when she went and sat with him. That would have been nice. Um, but, it, like you said, at least he owns up to sucking all day in the last scene with Cisco. Yep. Um, O'Brien set up a workshop in his quarters. In his bedroom, in the bedroom of his quarters. He is so dumb that he's taken in by Bashir's bad rationalizations, and then he has a case of the not gaze. Yep. He doesn't want to help uh, the Jem'Hadar because he believes they're killing machines. He never gives in, even after it's pretty clear Garanagar wasn't the monster he made him out to be. Yeah, it's almost like he learns nothing. Mm -hmm. Bashir also has a case of the not gaze. He's not great at being interrogated and gives up valuable information after just a hint of a threat of violence. But he does say he'll die before he does anything to be used against the Federation or anybody else. Yeah. Wonder if that's true. He comes to want to help Garanagar so he can cure the Jem'Hadar and maybe save them from the slavery they live in now. But, um, he's not crazy vindictive when O'Brien condemns those men to death. They have kind of a like awkward conversation on the way home, but then he's like, yeah, let's hang out in a couple that days. They'll, that they'll play darts again in a few days <laughs> yeah. or whatever the fuck. It's like, oh, okay. This is really awkward. Like, hey, I don't feel like playing darts tonight, but, you know, next week. <laughs> yeah, this is a real speed bump. Cisco is back to mostly not caring about his job this week and is even building a new clock. <laughs> I, I was like, what is, maybe is it some kind of micro zen sand garden and that pendulum <laughs> drops sand in a pattern or something? I was something, like, is it a sundial? Like, what are we doing? What's happening? But, it's, I, but I for sure wrote Cisco's building a clock. But um, he has good advice for Worf, I guess. But you, you could see, he looked so distracted by that clock, like this conversation with Worf was kind of a bother to him. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Well, again, like I said, he clearly hasn't done any prep work with Worf. Nope. Um, you know, I had it as a five, but after reading all that, I'm going to give it a four. Uh, boy. Uh, Ben's got it as a five. Kira and Worf get acquainted. Worf is learning that Starfleet's strict way is not the only way, and it may not be the best way out here on the frontier. Another hobby by Cisco is that a clock. <laughs> we all now, as soon as we saw that, we all went, hey. Yeah. I would uh, think that's dangerous backsliding behavior. Someone should check on him. Yeah, he says Bashir's been a better character lately. Bashir is a better character when they give him something to do other than hit on women. Mm. I gave it as much as a five. Power play O'Brien always bums me out. Yeah. I wish Bashir had reminded him at least once that he's in the fucking Federation. 
or even asked him what Picard would have done mm, if that's a good one. Like like if an injured Borg, his greatest enemy, <laughs> showed up and needed help. <laughs> uh Bashir is always better, yeah, when he's not perving out, he's decent in this. Worf and Odo were good. I don't love this Worf, but I hope it will go away now that he's learned his lesson. Mm. Uh, Cisco's scenes were okay, but if you think about him, he's real hands-off this week. Yeah. The thing that worries me the most is that Kira seems to be fading into the background since Worf showed up. Yeah, I mean, the only scene she had this week was with Worf. Yeah, it makes me nervous that that's happening. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen Dax either, but that doesn't make me nervous so much. Yes, you mean because you want to see Bajor stuff. I want to see Bajor stuff. I like Kira. Unfortunately, they never put Kira in the Bajor stuff, so. <laughs> she never gets to go. No. Uh, I, yeah, for me, it was a five. Okay. Ben's only quick hitter is the, the Jungle Search had sort of Predator vibes. Uh, it's because those guys look crazy and they got cloaking devices. Yeah, makes it real Predatory for sure. Um, call him Meanie? Yeah. It looks a little bit like uh, Fortune Feemster. Wait, With looks- his blonde curls. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Um, that's just a thought. That's why it's in quick hitters. How can there possibly still be unescorted runabout missions to the Gamma Quadrant? I really don't. I again, I say that they're doing something in the Gamma Quadrant because I didn't really catch it, and it doesn't make sense that they're there. Bio survey is what he said. Why? Yeah. Send a probe or send nothing. Yeah, Starfleet is really tweaking Dominion noses with this. That's a, yeah, right. They're just being like. I thought they were worried about the Klingons, but I guess they don't fucking care. They're like, well, we'll fight the Klingons, we'll fight the Jem'Hadar, we'll fight anybody. Yeah. Uh, it was a long cold open this week. Like Ben, I said it's very rare that they acknowledge O'Brien's rank, since he functions as the chief engineer, but you get a good look at his chevrons in this scene. Mm. These uh, Jem'Hadar boys have fashion show level cargo pockets. <laughs> it's just on the one on the right side, but you could fit a whole clipboard in it. It's like the size of a US mail bag. I wonder what they carry in there. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, at what point in this story did they ascertain that the runabout still works? Yeah, you should just should have tried to leave ASAP on that thing. It's just it's a wild one. Uh and then again, is that a clock Cisco's working on? Um Okay, Bashir isn't going to bring O'Brien up on charges. No. But shouldn't Cisco, when he reads the report? Boy, I gotta be honest, the Cisco this week doesn't look like he's into reading reports. Yeah, I guess so, but like, someone's <laughs> going to read this report, right? They encountered the Jem'Hadar, they learned a bunch of shit, there has to be a report. I would think that, yeah, maybe he'll just leave out all the O'Brien stuff. Yeah, but like, O'Brien made a dipshit anti-Federation play, not just violated an order. Yeah, but they play racquetball together. Yeah, I get it, but like, he also did violate a direct order. (laughs) It's like, no one's going to be happy when they read this, right? No. No, I mean, whoever authorized that mission into the Gamma Quadrant should be fired. If it's Cisco, he should be fired. Best actor, Garanagar, a.k.a. uh, Envec from Face of the Enemy. Worst actor, the leg broke Jem'Hadar, who expected to die. That guy. <laughs> he was so bad. He was really bad. That guy was ex- insanely I bad. I cannot walk. I must die. If the death of one saves the, whole. Saves the life of many, then he must die. <laughs> like, oh my God. That guy really wanted another job. I don't think he got one. Yeah. 
Uh, did you have some quick hitters? Only a couple. O'Brien's cheesy booby trap had even cheesier sound effects. Yeah. At one point, he hits somebody. Like he does a whole like the thwaps somebody in the head with a fucking branch. He sets one Home Alone style booby <laughs> trap in the jungle. Sad. And it was sort of like, whoop. And it was like, oh, if they weren't going to commit to that scene, they shouldn't have. Like, don't do just one. Yes. Uh, O'Brien gets shot mid-transport, but it goes very different from the way it went in Enterprise this week. Yeah, totally different. Went right through him, nothing happy, he's fine, he's okay. (laughs) I guess he was an eighth of a second further along in the transport cycle. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Um, Yeah, that's all I had besides the shit I've already peppered into the rest of it. Well, last week's winner was TNG. The main event. The best of both worlds. That means this week we watched... The Best of Both Worlds, Part 2. We pick up where we left off last week, with Riker giving the order to fire the big dumb deflector weapon at the Borg. Uh, the rest of the time I call it the BDD dub. As <laughs> sure. Locutus stares at him over the view screen. Why not the BDDW? That feels like that's got to be harder to say. Well, I said it the first time successfully. <laughs> the BWDW. Yeah, I mean, sure. Why not? Um, okay, so the weapon does nothing. I mean, obviously, yeah. because Picard knew what was up when he was taken. And uh, then he tells them as much. Uh, but I, I know all the shit. All of the ones that you were going to do, I know. The Borg fuck off toward Earth and leave a limping Enterprise behind. Uh, Enterprise conferences with Admiral Hansen, and he has 40 starships ready for the Borg at Wolf 359. Riker is uh, officially promoted to captain of the Enterprise. They start to work on repairing the ship so they can catch up to the Borg at some point. They get a message from Hansen at Wolf 359 that sounds bad. Yep. Riker calls a conference of his senior staff and says, uh, Shelby is going to be his first officer moving forward. They go over some real half-baked ideas to stop the Borg. Uh, he gives a shitty pep talk, and everyone looks depressed. Yep. And then Guinan comes up and gives Riker some uh, some friendly advice, and the wheels begin to move in his head. They yeah. They get. Uh, we, I'm sure we'll talk. About we it. have a yes. We have a lot to say about it. They get to Wolf Three Five Nine and find a big old graveyard of starships. So that didn't go so well, and they continue on to Earth. Mm, Let's see. Uh, They meet the Borg, and they begin a commando raid based on including elements of plans Picard knew about, so I guess he thinks he knows what's up. But then he's got some new shit in there, too. Data and Worf get onto the cube, and they take Locutus back, and then the Borg cube continues on toward Earth without him. Riker reveals that his plan was to get Locutus back so they can learn about Borg vulnerabilities. Yep. He's hoping that Picard is still in there and can give them information. Locutus wakes up, walks around talking shit about how good the Borg are, and then they turn him off again. Uh, Data gets to work figuring out how to disconnect Picard from the Borg. Now the Borg are all up in the solar system, and they cut through the planetary defenses, and they're going to get to Earth ahead of Enterprise, which is scary. Data makes a connection with Locutus, who goes apeshit and tries to break out of his little bay, and Data takes off his arm. 
Uh, and then Picard himself wakes up and makes contact. And the Borg stop in their tracks when that happens. Uh, Data attempts to plant a suggestion in the hive mind, and meanwhile, Enterprise and the Cube shoot at each other a bunch. Enterprise gets their ass kicked. Uh, they decide they're gonna ram the Borg, and as they prepare for that, Picard suggests putting the Borg to sleep. Riker gets halfway through the order that would lead to all of their deaths, but Data tells him to wait. And just as they're about to be destroyed by the Borg cutting beam, uh, the cube shuts down and goes into, I don't know, some kind of diagnostic mode or something. Shelby leads a team to the cube to confirm that the Borg are having a nap, but she also uh, detects signs that the Borg cube is going to self-destruct. I guess Data wasn't very delicate when he got up in the hive mind. Yeah, they know something's wrong, and they only have one plan for that. Yeah, uh, they get away from the cube and it explodes. Uh, some people suggest maybe we should try to stop it from exploding and study it, but Riker's like, I'm going to make the one practical decision of this episode, and I'm going to say, nah, we're going we're gonna to let that shit blow up. I think what he really says is, I don't think so. <laughs> That's right. Picard and Riker uh, say goodbye to Shelby and get into uh, Space Station McKinley to fix the ship. And Picard looks out his window all sad. That's the end yeah. of the episode. What was this one about? So this is a tough one because it's really about figuring out how to finish the episode from before yes. the summer break. That's right. Remember that one we did a few months ago? What do we do with that? Now we got to come up with answers for all that. Um, You mentioned the scene with Guinan. Mm-hmm. Where she essentially says, you have to kill Picard. You have to let him go. You have to kill him. I think that that's not what it's about. I think that this episode is... uh, What I wrote was, a man must step out of his father's shadow, but he needn't kill him to do so. Oh, that's nice. Uh, How come you didn't say... You should have said Space Dad. I should have. This is Riker's arc, right? He starts out in this one. He's unsure of himself. He tells everyone he's not Picard and he doesn't know how to beat Picard. And then he sort of realizes maybe he doesn't have to beat Picard if he can work with him. And he gets his confidence back and he saves the day, etc. He definitely problem, gets his confidence back for the, sure. Yeah. The problem is that that is a very narrow message and it's not worth a lot. I gave it three points. Uh, ben didn't give us notes on this episode. Yeah, this is the one he didn't get to this week. He's smart. He's like, I'm just going to watch the good one. I'm not going to take notes. I'm just going to enjoy the good one. Um, here's what I had. I, I agree it's a Riker episode. Appear weak when you are strong and strong when you are weak. The Riker and portal guard scene comes full circle. <laughs> I gave it a seven. All right, Sun Tzu. Uh, yeah. Do you have some justification for that? Yeah, let's get into it. Riker read Sun Tzu. The portal guard seen it in his mind. Um, that is true. This is the ultimate expression of that. After their big dumb deflector weapon, the BDD dub or BWDW, fizzles and Guinan tells him the only way to beat Picard is to let him go. The wheels do start to turn in Riker's beef head, but he decides to turn this whole Picard debacle into a victory. Um, he becomes that whole that that brash cocky Riker, and he steals back Lacutus from the Borg, who run away like punk bitches afterward. Uh huh. Ultimately, it's through Picard's Borg link that they save the day, though not necessarily as he originally imagines. Generally speaking, it was well paced. It's got lots of dark, we're gonna die moments, good soundtrack, and some good small touches. 
they kind of abandoned the Riker stuff from part one. Yeah. Which was all about, we thought, or I thought at least, all about uh, Riker losing that thing about himself that made him so cool. That risky, young, impetuousness of youth. Yeah, part of the problem is in part one, they, we never really track down why Riker, what has changed with Riker and why he is like like how he is. So you can't resolve it in this one. Yeah. Um, like, if it was an episode about how he thought he wasn't ready to be captain, yeah. then th- this would tie into that. But that doesn't seem to be the issue. Nope. He's like, have I mellowed? I used to I be liked ambitious. I liked those parts of me. And I used to take risks, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they abandoned that plot in order to tell the scary story, which is the only real blemish on the episode, which I gave an eight. Man, 15 points in the top half for you. Yeah. Uh, Good, fast pace. I was genuinely surprised how quick this episode seemed. Yeah, I, the um, together, this two-parter, it's like The Way of the Warrior. Like, it's, they would, both halves are so dense that they both kind of feel like there's enough for two episodes in them. There are some of the usual next generation contrivances in this one. Mm. Why did the Borg leave Enterprise unmolested twice? Serious. When they could have easily blown them up. The only way to sell it is like, sometimes the Borg just don't care. Yeah. Or, I mean, someone could have suggested that maybe Picard was influencing them. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't have seemed so out of place. But instead, they just say nothing. And we just, you know, Enterprise or, or TNG is like that sometimes. Where they just, a preposterous thing happens and they just don't mention it. Yeah. Um, why does the cube go into self-destruct mode? Yeah, they don't really get into it, which I, that might even be fine because they don't really know what they're doing. They might not right. be able to tell why. They just go, yeah. they get over there and they go, mm, wow, this doesn't look so good. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I'm not sure I think there was a better way out of this cliffhanger than the sleep command. Even if it seems a little weak that it's not considered protected. And then actually, I thought, one of the few things you can do to a locked computer without logging in is to put it to sleep. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, anyway, so like I said, there are some little TNG nitpicks, but no serious complaints. I think this was a very successful outing. Like you, I gave it an eight. How funny would it have been if if Data's in there and he's like, "Uh, actually, something just popped up. It says install updates. Should I? (laughs) I'm going to click install and see what. Oh, yeah. No, they just stopped doing everything. Yeah, we're installing updates, right? This is the time. Now let's shoot them. That would have been a good way to do it. Yeah. Uh, it, it says, it says uh, Windows, hello, and it wants my thumbprint, <laughs> but there's a... I got a there's card a pow- here. I could see a power button. Also- it wouldn't Surely it wouldn't let me hit the... Oh, oh shut down is one of the options. <laughs> so I shut, them, I shut them down. They're off. Uh, in terms of world building... Yeah. Oh, it goes so much quicker when we don't have Ben. Uh, in terms of world building, that we see the Mars defense perimeter, uh, Borg subspace consciousness links that are similar to a transporter beam in some way. Yeah, they said that. I didn't know what to make of it. Yeah, I think that's to explain why O'Brien is the one who's helping Data uh, instead of Jordan. Which I love later. I'll, yeah. And the real reason is because uh, LeVar Burton was in the hospital. No! Yeah. Did he uh, make it? <laughs> no, he died. Oh, fuck. So it's a bunch they, of luckily, CGI they had a lot of stuff. No, they had a lot of stuff in the can. Oh, good. Luckily. So it's, it's like Princess Leia. Yeah, the no, whole it's rest just of the every- series of Space Ghost. 
every time you see him in like uh, the mind's eye or whatever later, uh, that's just stuff that was shot for uh, Arsenal of Freedom. <laughs> Arsenal of Freedom, or maybe like um, they just superimposed this new uniform. Samaritan Snare or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Federation call for Cleon aid, but draw the line at asking the Romulans for help, though they considered it. Yeah. Uh, Crusher's nanite proposal. Yeah, call, call back to Wesley's science project. Call back to Wesley's science project, possible peek forward at the kind of solution they'll eventually try to pitch for the Borg. Mm. Um, and also the loss of 40 starships and the, uh, plan to rebuild the fleet. Um, it's something but I thought it was about a four. Yeah. I had it as a three. Um, odd that he'd still say number one when he's part of the hive mind. Like, did the I hive mind... I think that mind... was supposed to be creepy. But did the hive mind not get him? I'm just... I'm just... I'm the whole time I'm trying to figure out. Is Lagutus <laughs> really a Borg? What is he? I think they, they half got him. <laughs> like, they didn't quite finish the job and he was still they, in there. They should have finished him. Because he comes out of that thing and then he... He fucking wangs them with his sleep suggestion. They had more time while Enterprise was fucking hiding in that nebula. Yeah. Oh, that was before they got him, right? Oh, yeah, that was before they got him. Uh, Heavy graviton beams and nanites are possible weapons to be used against the Borg. Tolstoy, Kyushu, and Melbourne are ships that they identify in the graveyard. But, yes, all 40 were lost. Uh, an undetermined amount of ships are lost in the solar system. At least three we see on screen get zapped. Yeah, look at like little shuttles or something. I guess they figure if anyone has gotten into their solar system, they're so powerful that it doesn't <laughs> matter because the defense perimeter looked pretty feeble. Well, it, so here's the thing with the Mars defense perimeter. Is it? Is it in the whole orbit of Mars? I don't know. Like... Hey, you can't have a defense perimeter at the planet. What if they come in not yeah, where not the where planet right. is? Yeah, it must be. They must have it all around. Yeah. and But then, like, what if they don't come in in line with the plane of <laughs> orbit? Yes, well, you know Star Trek doesn't like to talk about that. So is, is there a whole, like, spherical shell of little three fighter units? And the, they need to learn how to swarm, then. Just all the fuck over? So that's what I'm saying. We don't know what happens in the solar system. Who knows how many ships got blown up there? I can't. I find it hard yeah. to believe they only encountered three shuttles in the entire solar system. Does the seem unlikely. nerve center of the Did Federation? They, was there nothing? It's at space dock where it's like, well, the ship is not ready to do starship stuff, but it can get out there and shoot phasers. We can use it as a weapons platform, even if we I can't get it to Wolf three five nine. Yeah, they get right up to Earth, but it's not. I don't think it's actually clear that the Borg are, like, in Earth orbit. They do stop in their tracks when they access Picard, which means right. that I don't think they get quite yeah. there. So maybe, you know, maybe Earth space dock was desperately trying to get another couple of ships going uh, or something. Uh, please but... tell me they replaced that fucking asshole who put his hands on Tasha Yar in season one. You know, the uh, during the Binars episode? Uh, can, can you... No, not Quinones. That's uh whatever the name of the guy was who was uh there when Data was having a fucking fit about losing the Enterprise. Yeah, because that guy sucked. If he's in charge of Space Dog, they're fucked. Um. Uh, let's see. Uh, Shelby's in charge of the effort to rebuild the fleet, and she thinks they'll be up to pre-Borg strength in a year. So it, I guess, will be an accelerated program. Um. Well, here's the thing. The ships that we saw floating in space were like a couple of Excelsiors and the great big hull of a Constitution refit. And some kit bashes and shit. Yeah. 
well, but we couldn't even really see those up close. Yeah. So it's like, or frankly, we probably oh, it's time take that long to replace <laughs> it's, that. It's, it's time to get some new ships. Time to get yeah. some nebulas off. the We're going to start assembly seeing line. some nebula class yeah. ships. It's possible that they did replace the strength of the fleet pretty soon. Yeah. Um, uh, evasive, pa- invasive maneuver pattern Riker Alpha. It's a famous one. The famous, just kind of lazily go in one direction. Yep, just roll to the right a little. Uh, multimodal reflection sorting. That's yeah. what Data uses to try to figure out how the Borgs. Uh yeah, I hate when I have to interview for a new job. <laughs> they ask you about that. Multimodal they, they tell you to fucking sort. whiteboard it, and you're like, and oh, I right. whiteboard like I wouldn't just look it up on Stack Exchange, <laughs> right? Uh, the way data links into the Borg network. Uh, the Klingons sent ships to fight the Borg, but I guess they were too late for the party. Yeah, we need, we don't see them show up. Well, frankly, it's for the best, because imagine if they rolled up and there's like, hey, Earth is unprotected. <laughs> it's right. Now is the time for conquest. What now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, some... I mean, Kim, Kim Peck's still running the show, so I think it'd be okay, but he hasn't been poisoned yet. That's true. Spoilers. Some weeks will be spent in space dock being repaired and refitted. Um, for me, there's stuff there, but I don't know how important any of it is, which is why I gave it a three. Uh, characterization. J.P. Hansen thinks it's mean to talk about Picard helping the Borg <laughs> because this guy's a hundred years old and doesn't have a working brain anymore. Bro, nobody's saying Picard is a traitor, so <laughs> calm down. Listen, he can't possibly be helping the Borg in any way because he did a marathon so good. <laughs> you know, he goes with a good marathoning, and then he even asks again at the end of that dumb spiel that they understand that. <laughs> do, you, do you understand? And then they have to be like, so- sorry. Okay. Sorry we said he was a Borg now. All right. Sorry about that. Um, Worf says their greatest advantage is that the Borg have neither honor nor courage. Yep. I don't know why he thinks they don't have courage. I don't know. I mean, he's probably right. They're just, they're I mean, just mindless it, drones. It doesn't exist to them, but that doesn't mean that they <laughs> act in a way that's any different from someone who did have courage. <laughs> right. uh, he also spends some time talking shit with Locutus, which is kind of fun. Um, when he's walking around, when Locutus is walking around the fucking bay, just telling people, yep. I'm going to fuck you up. Klingon, a warrior You want to go with me? You want to take a run at this? <laughs> um... Jordy suggests Worf is the man who can help him fix the shields. I always like well, stuff he learned, like that. Learned, learned, learned. Because then I have a idea of what Worf does on the ship. Yeah, it kind of seemed like maybe he's got too many jobs. Frankly, shouldn't chief of security be a different job from him? <laughs> it seems like it probably should. But again, it's a racist idea because he's a Klingon. Yeah, he's good at security. Riker seems much cooler about Shelby right away in this episode. I guess she can't really come after his job anymore. That's true. He's got the power now. He'll probably have to die for her to take his job. Uh, He's not interested in talking to Guinan. Okay, he's not that much cooler about her because he for sure definitely 100% runs her down in that conference meeting where he talks about how much he didn't want to make her his first officer. (laughs) Yes, but he says says a lot of stuff to her with a smile in this episode. That in last episode he would have had a Riker sneer. Um... Let's see, I guess, uh, okay, so he's not interested in talking to Guinan at all, because he's dumb. Yep. But anyway, Guinan somehow gives him his mojo back, and... Yeah, it's not clear how, though. He also says some cool shit to Locutus to help get the juices flowing before that battle. 
and he looks very satisfied when they get Picard back, as if they have now won the battle. Right, as if it has done anything. It's and over. Which is why, look, he just immediately tells them, this is nothing. <laughs> why did you do that, though? That doesn't make any sense. You'll be dead. I'm going to kill you, too. You over there, I don't like the way you're looking at me. Take a run at me, bro. Um, <laughs> uh, Guinan and Picard are closer than family for reasons that we may never know, and I'm okay with that. I, I, I am, too, because I don't believe they would do it. They would for sure fuck it up. Yeah, they'd mess it up. There's no way for the, these ha- hacks could get that through. I assume Riker <laughs> is probably the hero of the fleet after this. But Data should get a lot of credit for this very big win. <laughs> for Did sure. Did you see what he was saddled with in that room? They gave him tr- Crusher, <laughs> Troy, and O'Brien. Yeah. By the way, his greatest assistant in that room was Picard. Yeah, Who's for like sure. fighting off the Borg hive mind to be like, no, don't listen to them. They don't know anything. Even when Picard helps him, Crusher's right there trying to snuff it <laughs> out. No, it's tough. It's really, to think of what he, he was like the way LeBron used to carry those shitty Cavs teams to the finals every year. You'd be like, wait, <laughs> Anton Jameson is his best teammate? This is, how is this happening? He was the LeBron James in that room. And I hate Data, but he really got it done. Um, And maybe Picard should get some credit too. O'Brien does an engineering assist with Data to get into Picard's mind. I guess Geordi's busy with, like, Enterprise stuff. But, like you said, in real life, I guess there was a Geordi LeVar Burton injury. I mean, they have Riker call down and tell him to get ready for warp power, and he answers. But, like, even his voiceover was done on a different day. Yeah. And in that final scene in the ready room, Picard looks shattered. Which is true. a good touch. He uh, can't even drink his tea. He picks it up and then puts it right back down. But in a real Pat Stew, like he gives it a Pat Stew's acting in that scene, and I appreciated it. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so the characterization for me was a seven. Uh, I only have it as a five. Okay. If we know one thing about Riker, it's that he only follows orthodox tactics twenty percent of the time. <laughs> No, no. Wait, but there's something about the moon and and gravitational fields. There's something in there. (laughs) I think we know something else. If we could get to the bottom of it, it would be great. You started to say. You said he was doing sensor bullshit. You said this thing about sensors. by the way, he does in this one, too. That's great, the thing you're saying about orthodox tactics. But can we go back to the sensors thing? I'm just saying, if Picard had been paying attention to that briefing, even as bad as it was, (laughs) uh, Riker would not have tricked Locutus. Yeah, I mean, the okay, so I didn't really explain it. What he does is he just, like, he separates the saucer, which is something they had previously talked about, but he doesn't, he just uses it to cause a distraction. It shoots off some fireworks. Yep, and it hides the shuttle engine for a minute. Yes, so that the little shuttle pod can fly into the Borg's electromagnetic defense field or whatever, and then beam over Warp So he does a sensor trick. Yeah, it's a sensor trick, (laughs) but it's like, yeah, anyway. Anyway, if Picard knows him better than he knows himself, he should have been able to see through that. Mm. I guess old Hanson was right. Picard didn't give up. That's and right. the uh, writers didn't trust us to have an episode where something horrible happens to him without giving him the strength to assert himself and tell Data how to win. Well, Marjan and I were talking about it when we were watching, and we both agreed that Kirk would have rejected the Borg implants right away. <laughs> well, that's Kirk true, would have too. gone, no! And the implants would have shot out of his skin. 
And he would have yeah. like, you leave Enterprise alone! He definitely wouldn't have cried a single tear about what was happening to him. Instead, <laughs> you're right, that they would have just fired off and embedded in some wall. I mean, remember the one where he got jizzed on by that flower? It doesn't even do anything. He's like, nah. he's like, he packs up his stuff to move off the ship with everyone else, but he doesn't, he like gets to the transport room and goes, nah, though. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going anywhere. Fuck this. That's all it takes. And uh, Crusher's the biggest idiot in the world. Mm. And they wrote her to be that. Which I think Picard, is interesting. Picard says sleep. And then he fucking grabs Data and says sleep, Data. <laughs> looks deep into and, his eyes. And looks deep into his eyes and fucking Crusher goes, he's exhausted. Data is very patient, though. Uh, yeah. Yeah, probably. So but, stupid. Uh, that's not. I don't ask what he's saying. But why don't you go over there and look at one of those panels? Yeah. I'm busy. <laughs> Uh, that really hurt for me, so I could only give it a five. Okay, that's fair. She is very dumb. <laughs> she's she's supremely dumb. That's the stupidest thing anyone has yet said on TNG. I just can't believe Troy's there too. Like it's so rough. She doesn't do shit. Yeah, her whole job is to tell Data when he's made contact with Picard. Like he doesn't know. Right. When Picard's looking at him, going sleep, Data. <laughs> that's not Data, the cutest. Sleep. <laughs> It's pretty clear that's not Locutus. Do you want some quick hitters? No, oh, I've I you can you can do yours. I I have spread mine all around. Uh Hey, even if the Borg didn't have Picard's memories mm. at the start of this, Record just left the channel open after he said fire while Worf was saying stuff like deflector reaching <laughs> maximum in intensity. Yeah, and it builds firing. up for like 20 seconds. Like, fucking put it on mute, buddy. You're giving the game away. I know, that shit happens in Star Trek, and you're like, God, they didn't remember to put it in there that he mutes it. Um, Hey, here, this is the scene for me. Picard was a sports hero, and he had an early in with some admiral. Oh, yeah, like I see With that. some influential guy. I've been keeping my eye on him ever since he won the Academy Marathon. Yo, how old is Hanson? He's gotta be... Because it seems like... Oh, he's he's got to be at least 10 or 12 years yeah. older than Picard to have been in a position. Because Picard was a freshman. Yeah. And this guy was in a position where he thought, I'm going to keep my eye on that kid. Yeah. And not like worrying about turning in all his reports and shit <laughs> right. and whatever his dumb Anson job was. Exactly right. He is like thinking about, oh, this guy's going to be a good prospect. He's going to be a, exactly. a good officer. Like he, he's reached that phase of his career. Um, I understand why dramatically... But it doesn't make a lot of sense for Hanson to be taking calls from Enterprise in mid-battle. Seriously. He already knows Enterprise isn't going to get there in time. Yeah. If anything, what he'd do is as they were getting their ass blowed up, he'd like send out a subspace message or something. Right. Like, we didn't exactly. do it. <laughs> nope. Riker just fucking calls him on the bridge and he's like, Enterprise, the battle does not go well. Can you see me shaking and around? And it's like, this is not you making efficient use of your battle time. <laughs> yep. Um, you always see, and we you talked about before, a uh, bunch of screen caps of all the crazy kit bashes, but I, in real time, I didn't think there was anything crazy that we saw on screen. Like, you really have to freeze oh, yeah. frame it and dig in to be like, that's a weird, like half of them you have to be just in the Quaalor 2 shipyard later. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like, they're not even on screen during Best of Both Worlds. Here's the big one for me, Matt. Does Guinan's advice mean anything? I don't, again, it's unclear how it does it, but it gets his mind hella working because immediately after that, he's like, I fucking got it. Yeah, but she I don't comes know in, what it is. She comes in and she tells him, listen, 
Everyone on this ship thinks they're going to be dead in the next day. Yeah, you're doing a bad job so far. Also, here's unrelated to that. You have to let go of Picard. It's the only way to beat him and the only way to save him. Does she mean like his legacy or something? Uh, uh, <laughs> it's unclear. Anyway, Picard, uh, Riker does the opposite of that immediately. Yeah, he, goes, he for sure does not let go of Picard. What would have been great is if he says to her right at the end of that. Right, nah, so I'm going to do the opposite. Get Picard back. <laughs> yeah, that too. All right. I got but it. Like, even before you find out that that's what Riker does, what is her point? Like... What what makes her think that Riker has hung up on Picard in some way here? Honestly, I think she fucking... Because he... As he immediately says to her, in case you hadn't heard, I just tried to kill him. I think she was just spitballing on the way to the bridge. I think yeah. she just got in the turbo lift and went, I'm going to have to say gotta, something. I got to tell this guy something, but all I know about him is that he's reasonably good at hitting on you, but he doesn't follow through. <laughs> he doesn't follow through, even though I was totally down. Yeah, I don't know. Yes, it's a, it is... A good act, it's like a well-acted scene by Whoopi Goldberg, maybe not so much by Franks, but he's trying, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what it does. How dumb are the Borg? They're like, hey, there's an engine in all those fireworks. Let's put the tractor, oh, never mind. <laughs> they know, yeah. Riker tells them, all right, cut the engine and coast in, and the Borg are like, all right, cool, I, I, never mind. Again, does it have something to do with their wild inability to multitask? I don't know what it is. I mean, it seems like it. It seems like they don't multitask because they kind of switch priorities. They can't. They can't focus like on. They two stop things. as soon as Picard gets taken. They can't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that Riker was going to have Jordy go to warp. Like he maybe he didn't trust Wesley to push that button. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that suicide uh, button. To be fair, uh, there are times Wesley did give him a hell of a look. <laughs> there are times on the bridge when Wesley looks up and I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, that's why you don't want the teenager on the bridge. Hey, this is the first time I've noticed this, but Picard's writing room has got a shitty little window, huh? Everywhere else on the ship, they have huge fucking windows, and he's got this little... Roughly Picard-sized window. not even window. the size of a full-length mirror strip of window. Uh-huh. Why well, doesn't he have a bigger window? He can kind of peer out of it. Yeah, I don't is, know. Do they normally have a bigger window, but he had that fish tank put in instead? Why do I need to see more space? I see it all the time. You know that thing on the bridge right above us? That's a big window. Yeah, and then again, sometimes TV is really dumb. O'Brien ends up in Data's lab because Jordy was having emergency surgery when they were filming this. If this had been a modern show where they weren't filming just in time yeah, to get it on the air, uh, that wouldn't have happened. I honestly forgot he's in that at all. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's probably how they justify him being like the chief engineer guy on DS9. Because otherwise, right. all he does is work on the transporters. Yep. And then suddenly he's the chief operations officer and he's Mr. Fix-It. And he's a tinkerer. Uh, and you're just like, I mean, what? That's sort of true. Isn't he helping out with that fucking anti-grav cart in... Um, I thought... Barkley... I thought it was Protomorphosis Syndrome. No, it's not Barkley uh, Protomorphosis Syndrome. It's in fucking Hollow Pursuit. I thought that was because it was happening in the transporter room. Uh, maybe like he did the cargo transport for that stuff. Yeah, I, I think so. I uh, give best actor to Picard putting down his tea yeah. and worst actor to Troy telling Data it's Picard breaking through. <laughs> yes. Like Data says, some, says something about uh, it's unclear what's happening and Troy goes, no, it isn't. It's him. <laughs> Not clear if it would have been. Um, I think it, he probably would have been more successful if he'd ordered everybody out of the room. 
if Data had just flown solo on that one. <laughs> Probably. They, they would not have, like, Riker wouldn't even have been ordering the self-destruct or the, <laughs> the, the, the ramming. They would have been like, he would have got it. Yeah, it would have been done. Um, The numbers are in. Oh, we did it. Yeah, we got through another week. It wasn't even a long one. No, not really. Uh, last place this week was Voyager Scientific Method. They're very comfortable with that. Mm. Uh, 19 points. I gave it 11. You gave it 8. That's a poor showing. Yeah. Uh, fourth place this week, also very comfortable, TOS Requiem for Methuselah with 25 points. Not amazing. Uh, third place this week... Uh, Enterprise again with a perfectly average 31 and second place Deep Space Nine with 37 Uh, the winner this week 28th win TNG best of both worlds part 2 45 points so both halves won was actually the one of the episodes we were furthest apart on because you gave it a 25 but I only gave it a 20 yeah we both gave it first place but yes we were a little bit apart Uh, after 74 episodes, they have 28 wins. DS9 is next with 22. TOS 17. Enterprise 5. Voyager 2. Just looking real quick, I think that's uh, Best of Both Worlds tied for our all-time high in execution. Uh, it could be. It got a 16. Two eights is a very high score. Um, looks like we previously gave 16 to Sins of the Father. That was a good episode. Uh, to the Defector. Another good episode. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's any. Oh, yep. Uh, the enemy. What about Measure of a Man? How many did it get? I'm, I'll get back there. The enemy. So far, it's a bunch of TNGs. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Um, yeah, those other shows don't execute, huh? Yep. Measure of a Man, 16. Okay, yeah. Uh, oh, here we go. Desert Crossing. 16? Yep. There we go. One of Enterprise's five. Wait, did they win for Desert Crossing? Uh, I don't think they did. Nope, because Taste of Armageddon got 52. Ah. Which one's a Taste ah. of Armageddon? Is that the one where they... Wait, a Taste of Armageddon? Yeah, dude. You gave it 25 and I gave it 27. Uh, it's got to be one of the Cold War ones, maybe. I guess so. I don't even remember it, but we we gave it high take scores. Week 23. Um, And then any other 16s in execution? Yep. Uh, Hide and Q. <laughs> So uh, several episodes, mostly TNG, have gotten 16s in execution. The Man Trap got it, episode one. So that means we were grading on a different scale. Uh, man may have a killer instinct, but that instinct can be fought. A clean, efficient world will go on forever. That's the one where they have to walk into the execution chambers. Oh, right, 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 right. The yep. nuclear bomb. Yes. Oh, and that's the one where they escape from prison four times. That is correct. <laughs> Spock does a mind meld through a door, etc., etc. Cool. Hey, there are five TOS episodes left. Uh, some of these I've heard of. We are in the countdown here. Uh, next week, we're watching The Way to Eden. That is not one of the ones I remember. Uh, sure you do. It's the one where the hippies come on board and Spark, Spock plays the harp. Okay, and, yep. Uh, they call him uh, Herbert or something <laughs> because he's so square. <laughs> it's, it's not a good episode. I already know. Fuck! Yeah. God damn uh, it. We're watching Family. Picard, you've already watched yeah, it. Yeah, there's a Picard spoiler alert. Goes, I've already seen it. Goes back home and considers Starfleet and gets in a fight with his brother and uh, Worf's, Worf's parents come aboard. and Yeah, and also so on. Uh, Wesley sees his hollow dad. That's right. It's a packed episode. 
Uh, we're watching Indiscretion. Oh, man. I don't want to know whose Indiscretion it was. It is, I think, Guldicott and Kira have to go on a mission together. Oh, so. to save his daughter or something? Yeah, um, maybe something like that. Okay, all right. That might be good. It's got some Alemo. Voyager. We've, we know, we've talked about this one before, but it's Year of Hell Part 1. And actually, this will probably be the first time ever we get two episodes in a row where the Voyager's all fucked up or something. Oh, yeah, it could be. we're always talking about how it's always fine the next week. Uh, the first time we discovered uh, the Year of Hell, uh, it was heavily implied that Kess would be on board for it, but we'll see how it plays out without her there. Seems unlikely. Enterprise, zero hour. I think possibly the fourth season finale. I don't think that Stormfront Part 1 is a cliffhanger. Ah, so that starts off a new Yeah, I think arc. that starts off season four. It would be great if this could be over. It would be great if this could be over. You know, I but like either way, zero hour next week. I like them trying to do a thing and I like them having continuity and, and having an, an arc build up over the season. But they did all of the legwork and got to the, the finale to 10 episodes ago. Yeah. And now it just won't end. It just keeps going. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They still have a lot to learn about pacing yeah. within an arc. It's not good. So, yeah, it needs to be over now. That's what we're watching. That's what you should watch if you're playing along. Yep. Um, Next week will be a mailbag. Yeah. You can contact us. Um, I mean, you can send us a message. We probably won't get back to you, but we might read your thing on the air. Uh, Twitter, it's uh, at BrotherDate. Uh, send us some kind of emails, brothers, brotherdate.com. You can go to brotherdate.com. You can find us on the iTunes and podcatchers that catch the iTunes. Um, is there anything else? Yes. As you believe, so shall you do, so shall you do. As, As you, you believe, believe so, so shall, shall you do. Maybe they'll finally fly towards home. Maybe, Maybe uh, they'll turn on the engines and go at warp speed toward Earth. Towards home? Yeah, that'd be great. Fucking idiots. <laughs>